Brought to you by our sponsor, McAllen 15. A little morning, Monday morning, uh, grease on the wheels of the train here at Medford Knife and Tool. Welcome to Greg Medford Show. You got Greg. I'm going to be driving the train today, as usual, chewing some gum to keep my long COVID cough from hacking up on the microphone. You know, I had COVID a couple months ago, and it, it just seems like if I see a pretty girl, I have to talk on a microphone, I'm in a nice restaurant, I just start coughing. The best part is, these days at a restaurant coughing, it's like pulling out a gun and waving it around 10 years ago. If you pull out a gun in a restaurant and just wave it around, people all look over, they're all like stunned. If you start coughing in a public place right now, especially like in California, people are all just aghast. Like, what could you, what are you doing coughing? Especially when you're gangster rolling without a mask. So we've had a lot of political people on the first season we started to have, we had, I guess we had a comedian on the first season, but mostly it was politics. Season two, we're starting to get a little more variety coming into the building, and today is no exception. We've got, interestingly, another knife maker. For those of you who don't know knife making, there's kind of two big camps in the knife making world. There's your uh, guys who do this reduction method where you get sheets of steel and you cut out a shape and grind away to make it a blade. And then you have this other group that smashes steel into submission and compresses all these molecules into smaller space, making them more dense and therefore potentially tougher. Uh, and as you guys have seen on shows like Forged and Fire across the internet, it's kind of all the rage right now. And uh, it kind of goes along with this fucking raw water skinny jean hippie kind of weirdness that's fringing around america people they want to get back to basics now after a dude makes one knife the vast majority of people look down at their forearm and go i can't do this all day this is insane i can't even hold a hammer for 10 minutes what's wrong with me they find out what melba toast soy boy wussies the world has become because um if you ever do martial arts with a blacksmith which i have done um, you find out they're, they just got awesome rock forearms, super tough arms, because the job is brutal. Most people can't take 15 minutes of hammering. And they're done. And everyone wants to smash some metal, and then they start looking over at, an, uh, at, at a drop hammer, a trip hammer, and they're like, oh, yeah, that looks, pretty, that looks like a good idea. So we've got Josh in today. Josh, uh, we've just met, and... Uh, uh, you know, let's just say hello to him and we'll start talking. So you guys, welcome. How you doing, Josh? Doing good. Thank you. It's good to be here. I'm excited. That's <laughs> so, all I'm doing. So for, for everybody out there, it's Josh A. Weston, yes. not the other Josh Weston, which I found out gay porn star died of AIDS. Yeah, Lord, complications of. Lord, just, re Lord, yeah. Lord rest his soul. Rest in peace. Uh, but we don't want to be confused. For all of you who are Josh Weston fans, this is Josh A. Weston. Not the gay porn star. At least as handsome though. Maybe. I, I don't know the you other. You wouldn't guy, know. But I'm gonna I'm gonna go I'm just gonna go with it. Um he's got a uh tell me, Josh, you've got a couple of different kind of ventures that are going all the time. You're out yeah. here for the 
what's the thing that's Arizona out here that... Renaissance Festival? It's a step back in time, is what they like to say to a different age, right? Lots of costumes. So, um, for for you guys out there who don't know what a Renaissance Festival is, and most of you may, I think people do. It's all over yeah. the country now, right? Yeah, they they have their kingdom yeah. has spread across the country now, right? Yeah, yeah. So and, and they they're branched out from history too. So now there's a lot of cosplay. There's a lot of um, you know, it's, that's what I was going to yeah, say. It's, like it's, it's going to a con it's, for nine weeks it's straight. Cosplay mixed with Dungeons and Dragons. Yes. Mixed with a lot of people who maybe didn't get laid in high school. Yes. That looks like yes. the uh, metallurgy of the, yeah. of the, of the crew. Uh-huh. That's the makeup. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah. I remember it might have been 1976. Uh, they had one of the first Renaissance festivals yeah. here. Yeah. And it was out at a place called Seven Springs. Uh-huh. And Springs in Arizona is a big deal. In yeah. the desert, place where water comes out of the ground, it's like, oh, the gods have arrived. So they they have this festival up there. And I remember we go up with my dad. We went up in his 1973 K5 Blazer. So we go up there, and I remember they had uh, they had like sword fighting mm-hmm. for all the like the dads. Yeah. So they had this arena. It was like a. It seemed I was a little kid. It seemed like it was the size of a football field. Yeah. Yeah. And they had all these swords, and the swords were made with pipe. Yeah. And then they had foam wrapped around them and duct tape on yeah. them. And then the dads went out and just to beat, beat the, the shit out of each out other. Of yeah. each other. Yeah. And I remember as a kid, like, oh, my God, yeah. what's going on? You know, yeah. the dads are kicking the shit out of each other. That's all I remember uh, from the whole thing. But it seems like it's gotten a lot more evolved now. Yeah, it has. Um, and the, the one here, it's in Gold Canyon, um, which is not far from where we're sitting right now. Yeah. And there... Uh, joust arena is the size of a college arena it's it's massive oh okay and so they, they ride horses okay. and they bash each other with sticks still and it's quite impressive it's fun it's a lot of fanfare <laughs> and we're actually the spot that i'm at is um three spots in from the joust so we're right up and we see the crowds come in and out and they just fill up and it's it's really if you haven't been it's worth going and checking it out because it is, it's a lot of fun. It's totally. a lot of fun to watch people beat each other it's up. It's totally fun fantasy. So yeah. uh, what, what have you noticed? Is it masky or not masky? Uh, people showing up are pretty non-masky. Um, this is a non-masky town. Yeah, like this this state's not- pretty non-masky. Yep, exactly. Um, uh, a fair leadership uh, wants uh, the people who are working there to mask up, but it's really it's like a choice because what are you going to do? So uh, my spot, we don't mask because we're we're working, and yeah. uh, I don't want people passing out, and yeah. masks make people pass out. It's like Plus, you don't hold your breath while you're working out. Plus there were no friggin' N95 masks in 1430. What? I know it's so what? weird. Yeah, yeah. All the all you could wear is one of those. How did they even breathe? One of those fucking beak things, you know. <laughs> they have though. You can buy those. I, know, I have Renfair. one. I have one. The plague doctor mask. Yeah, the plague yeah, doctor. Yeah. That's the best. Lots of leather vendors with plague doctor mask. You can get whatever whatever type and style you want. You can get it <laughs> steampunk. You could get it true medieval. You can get it skull themed. Yeah, I think I saw one with like a witch's hat and yes. some goggles on it. I was like, Jesus, yes. they've gotten into yeah. it. Yeah. So. Um, you you do this uh, Dragon Forge experience yeah. out there at the Renaissance Festival. Yeah, exactly. What what we are is we're a, a we're no longer a demo, right? Blacksmiths, we don't need to just stand there and tinker and and fuck around. Uh, I, I've done that for years, and what I find people people want to engage, like you said earlier. You got these people that are trying to get back to doing something again. And how many times have I done this demo where people like, oh, I always wanted to do that. I finally just started putting a hammer in people's hands and like. We'll do it now. Do it now. And so people will literally pay a lot more money to do it 
now they want to do it. They want to get busy. You, have you? We're, you're from the Carolinas. Is that where you're from? Yeah, I live in Charleston, South Carolina. You live in Charleston, South yeah. Carolina. I was just but in Charleston. I'm originally from Pennsylvania, so I'm kind of where in Pennsylvania, all over. Northwest, up by the lake, Erie, Snowbelt, really? Snowbelt Lake Effect. Yeah. So I went to college in Gettysburg. Oh, so yeah. I've been around Pennsylvania yeah. a bunch. I like it out yeah. there. You seem like a Pennsylvania dude. I'm actually. absolutely a Pennsylvania dude. Yeah. And then you ended up down in Charleston. I was yeah. just in. I just rented a place down on. Um, Goat Island. Yeah. I rented a house down on Goat yeah. Island this past summer, yeah. which seemed like a good idea at the time. Yeah. Until I got down there. And you, were, you were hot and swampy. I was like, this is awful. Yeah. I have to change my shirt after <laughs> I get the mail in the summer. Yeah. I'm like, no wonder it was a fucking good price. This is <laughs> awful. But it was a cute little house right yeah. down there. I had to kayak over yeah. the house with my groceries between uh -huh. my legs, but yeah. it was cool. Yeah. Um. So, uh, how long have you been doing this? How long have you been forging? Uh, I say seriously, 12 years. Um, I started, though, in high school. I worked on a horse ranch from the age of 14 to 19 um, up in north central PA on the north, um, New York border. And so um, I worked maintenance, and when we weren't working, we were screwing around uh, with a scrap pile and borrowing the farrier's equipment and welding and making throwing knives and buoys and whatever from the trash pile. And, uh, and I, I went off to art school and um, worked in corporate design for a lot of companies from General Motors. Fort School Art School. Uh, Fort Lauderdale Art Institute. So uh, it was good for me. You know, a lot of them have closed down. I got no complaints about my education there. I have done really well. And uh, uh, so uh, as my career progressed, though, design became a lot more science math algorithms uh we don't have the time for the hands-on i would actually I, I do have to say uh when i walked in here i walked by your artist who's there mm -hmm. drawing mm -hmm. and using his hands mm -hmm. and actually making art and not just buying somebody else's shit mm -hmm. and throwing pixels around. try to use all original yeah so i immediately have was introduced uh, as the first thing that i saw was able to really connect with your brand and i went uh, immediately okay i i can really open up and embrace this company because you're from from the startup from the pen from the pencil on that you got to have that yeah and i've worked in too many places they're like no we just want you to buy assets or use this preform stuff and push these pixels around it's that's actually depressing to me it is it really is like it actually it crushes really my spirit yeah. when i do art that way yeah so we do something that just nobody in their goddamn right mind does like a 45 person company that has a full-time yeah. drawing artist. yeah you've got a drawing artist not yet i mean he's not just a digital artist that's, that's working he's Photoshop. not a graphic design guy yeah he's got the you got the blue photostat pens that he's working with and then he's going over and inking and then he's scanning them in and colorizing there did you see our comic book yeah i read i read it right before it well i didn't oh, get funny. to read the whole thing but i flipped through it it was, it was a lot of fun so you know it's funny that's a real it's a complex story that goes across 24 books that i wrote and uh, like the first three books kind of get all the stories. You know, there's no momentum. So you have to uh -huh. kind of like yeah, get everything going something. and build this character. Mm -hmm. um, but that's a really fun process. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I think I want to be a filmmaker. You know, yeah. I got into that. Like, oh, man, I need to go to Hollywood. It's a slippery slope, isn't it? Yeah, it sure yeah. is. Yeah. Um, but then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to make these cool things. I'm going to put them in. Hopefully guys will just toss them to their kids and let them read them. The yeah. kids will see somebody. Every, every episode, the guy saves the day with a knife. Yeah. Yeah. And then we build some mythology into each of the knives, uh -huh. which is, you know, that's what you do with comic books. It's yeah. fun. So, uh, you know, it's funny. Did you ever go to like uh, Colonial Williams Williamsburg? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So when I was a kid, they have all these, uh, they, they have uh, Sturbridge Village up in Massachusetts mm -hmm. where it's like a 
1840s functioning little town. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's in, in costume Detroit, and character. They've got the Henry Ford Museum, and they got a blacksmith there, and they got people dressed up, and they got them in uh, Charleston. There's there's two of them, uh, the historical whatever places. Yeah, they've got these like living museums mm -hmm. kind of thing. Yeah, and there's always a blacksmith cranking away. Yeah, and uh, you that that's where like my mom knew like when, oh when Greg goes missing he'll be just yeah he'll be the there block. he'll be looking at fire be there and watching and I'll just be watching them. yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh. yeah. like I don't give a care if they're just making fucking nails uh -huh. they're just making fence nails I'm like I'm down yeah uh, I'm like oh and, and back in the day I remember we're all just standing there and they're smashing and sparks are flying everywhere no one's got goggles no, or glasses on we're just we're all like <laughs> right in the splash and, zone and I, I know and i'm like <laughs> i'm anvil height looking over that sparks are hitting me i'm like oh uh, and uh what you're doing is really cool yeah. uh letting people kind of step across the yeah i'll tell you what come to our place i'll put you right on a bench at the front row and you can put your eyes right back in the spark zone again and you can feel like a kid no i'm gonna come out there and make one of these that's things. what you gotta do so we're gonna come out if you you know that's what I was one of the yeah. things i was gonna ask you is uh how about you have like, yes you know the funny thing is most people when they get some success or they get a little definition of success around themselves they, they get cloistered away and defined by it yeah i'm totally cool going out and having you film me like completely f up a knife awesome uh, I, i'm gonna I, I think we want to go out and and shoot it and turn it into a little podcast show that'd be great all right cool. i love it yeah so but sometime we'll, bobby's gonna work it out with cool. you we'll just come out and i'm gonna make something with yeah. you yeah yeah i'll see if i can talk to the fair and get it on a non-fair day so that we can record or i mean we could do it on a fair day too i don't i don't care the oh, people all around doesn't you, matter to me you, you guys work it out whichever we'll is easiest for you i don't yep. want to take away from your business while you're doing Perfect. it um but it would be fun to do um you know i was it was funny it's these little seminal moments in the formation of our little clay as it because our yeah. magma starts to solidify as we're kids you know uh my dad his dad had pawned him off on a farrier for an apprenticeship back in the 1950s early 1950s and i can't remember exactly what happened but it ended up not working out and mm -hmm. my dad still talks about it like like it was like he didn't get to go to harvard right <laughs> you know he was gonna go be a black he's like oh yeah i was gonna go be a blacksmith i didn't get to I didn't get he to. talks about you know like guys are like oh, i was gonna be a navy seal but i got robbed bad knee and i got <laughs> robbed out of it you know that's what my dad talks about so uh he had a flight instructor uh when i was a kid a guy named bill wishmeyer and he used to send me out with him to go shoe horses uh. so we had a little forge that my dad helped him make on the back of the truck and we yeah. were shoeing horses and i was kind of prepping and running and cleaning and trimming and uh i that was my whole my that's the only experience i ever had forging was with horseshoes and making okay. for horses you know nice and then uh we do a horseshoe knife we will reunite you with your with your old times oh my god when i went to go into the knife business i decided my my process was kind of uh it took me about a month to decide i decided to go in the knife business yeah. i didn't decide to become a knife maker i decided i was going to start a knife company uh -huh. and i said i'm going to make I'm going to make the biggest knife company in America that makes yeah. cool stuff still. Yeah. That was my, after all the machinations of the different company I was looking to start, I ended up at knives. at knives. And then I drew a bunch of knives. Yeah. Had a bunch of guys come over. Everyone vote on the knives. And uh, long, and the, long and the short of it is like, I'm rented a building a week later. I bought a grinder the next day. I flew to Missouri two days after that to work with a guy. Um, and uh, I went to Ozark, Missouri. Yeah. And I got there. There, it was uh, Burke King said, "Yo, yeah, yeah, you gotta, you gotta call up Tom. He's gonna, he'll, he'll, he'll show you how to grind. Just, just go out and work with Tom." Yeah. And uh, I showed up out there. We, 
I said, you know, I'm here and I, I paid him for a week of training with nobody else there. So I could just get dedicated time. And we ground for about two hours. And he goes, Oh, Greg, you know, you, you're a good, good grinder. You're going to be, you're natural at grinding. You, you just, you're a good grinder, but, uh, Hey, I want to make these tomahawks. You want to make some tomahawks? <laughs> and then we got this, uh, marble Damascus we're going to make. And then we got some mosaic Damascus. We're going to do that. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll do yeah. all that stuff. Like, whatever sure. you want to do. And I'm like, we're just going to weld stuff and smash shit. I'm perfectly good with that. About an hour into it, my arm was just <laughs> hanging like this. I was like, oh, my God. So I ended up working the, the press and the hammer making them. But I had a yeah. great time. So some, there's something about the alchemy of the forge yeah. that captures everybody. Yeah. Obviously, it captured you, and you're like, yeah. I'm in, and you stayed. Yeah. Yeah, there's a magic to it. Um, well, first off, there's a the fire, right? And fire just has this natural – it's like uh, – it's human magnet. You know, we don't actually stick to a magnet, but but we do fire. Fire pulls people in. So wherever you have that – you're gonna have a crowd, and um, and and it that's why that's why I burn us. buildings. Yeah, that's why. I mean, you get an instant audience. It's like when I when I open up a business, I burn what was ever there before. People come, <laughs> and I start building out of the ashes, and that's the business. Yeah, no, that's a good. It's brilliant, brilliant. But yeah, there's a magic to it, and it's um, it's fantastic, and it and it hit me uh, when I first uh, saw it, and. Um, I wanted to be a part of all of it. And it's this weird mix of art and science and mystery and mythology. And uh, it's it's something deeper and fuller than what I am. But it also allows me to use all of the greatest parts of me in making knives. I love the whole process. I like to sit and I like to draw them. I like to sketch them. I like to make an illustration that when I put the knife down by it, people can't tell the difference between the illustration and the knife. And and that makes me jump when I post that final picture and they're like, I thought there were two knives and I picked the knife up and the other one's still on paper. I like that, you know, and that's the full process. For me, that's a part of the process. So. When did you start doing this Dragon Forge thing? Uh, fall, the Dragon Forge experience. Yeah, fall of 2019, uh, I had a blacksmith buddy call me, and uh, I was like, earlier that spring, and he wanted to get out of a spot he was in in a Ren Fair, and um, and I talked to him about you know what to do, and I've been going to Ren Fairs for a while, and it's always just a demo, I'm like you know I really don't think I can make money as a demo smith, and I had been doing small Ren Fairs and music festivals, and um, and I was at this this. Uh, in Georgia, on the Georgia-Chattanooga border, um, I was at this, I don't know, Indian farm out there, uh, Cal Caldera Pagan Music Festival. And uh, it was a five... Hold on, hold on. Yeah. Caldera? Caldera Pagan, Pagan Music, music Festival. Festival. Yeah. It Is was it bizarre? It was... Uh, okay, what's the, the music like? Okay, it's somewhere between like... Um, Norse pagan and American Appalachia rock, and then oh, okay. some what kind stuff of like what kind of instruments are they using? Um, anywhere from like traditional rock instruments to mandolins and um, banjos, guitars. Is know, the music good? Guitar. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, absolutely. It's a really awesome music scene um, that can range from anything like. Uh, okay, even the I have to Brotherhood. write that down. Yeah. Caldera, Caldera, as in like the vol yeah. volcano. Yeah, and that that's just the, that was just the name of the the uh, the festival, but it was a pagan music festival, and it's it's interesting stuff. You might even consider some of that stuff for the intro after you listen through a little bit of that stuff. So, but you you'll start seeing dragons and and hearing an ancient thing come out of your drum circles late at night to like three o'clock in the morning. Lots of homegrown liquors, 
a lot of passing bottles around of stuff that you don't know what's in it. But and shrooms. I'm and guessing yeah, there's, uh, probably, there's psilocybin uh, yeah, going yeah. on everywhere. There was actually an announcement on Friday night to stop doing <laughs> the brown acid because people were having really bad trips. So that's the, but that was that was done from the main stage no, before a, the final act. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we have a public service announcement. Those yeah. of you who have the brown acid, uh, uh, we're getting some bad trip reports yep. over at the nurse's station. If you could... I, we we're, we're suggesting you just throttle back on the brown acid. Now, for those of you who have the clear, the pink, or the moonies, you're, you're good to go. Yeah, yeah. You're just you're just in a good trip. And now back to our regularly yeah. scheduled program. So I'm standing there next to my buddy Jeff. I love that you were that, in a place that has an acid Yeah, an acid warning. <laughs> so, so we're standing there. This announcement goes, and the security guy comes over, and there's a person <laughs> next to us that, that they're like, hey – um, we're going to actually go sweep the hill for dead bodies now. And I look at Jeff and I'm like, where the fuck are we? Wait a minute. When, when was that? It was 2016, I think. Wait a minute. Where was that? It was, it was at this festival. They were going to go like, sweep the hill like, for dead gonna bodies? They're like, we're going to go check the hill for dead bodies. So I'm like, we got to get the fuck out of here soon. We had two more days and we finished, but uh, we were busy. We were making knives with people. I, I sold my inventory on day one. I had nothing left to sell. I had five days to go. I had a guy come by. And he goes, I got a bucket of rail spikes from wherever, probably sourced from walking a rail yard that was defunct. And and I and it was day one, and I'm like, no, I don't need them. And uh, he left his phone number anyhow, so I called him, and I said, hey, can I have that bucket? I'll teach you how to make a knife. So while I'm teaching him to make a knife, people Other people want up, to do it next. That's it. That was it right there. They I, There was a little rope circle, and they're like, I want to do that too. So for the next four days from 9 a.m. to midnight, I didn't stop all day, and I forged knives with people all day long, starting to bulk them up three at a time, four at a time. I had no electricity either. So we were having to forge them as close to shape as possible, handed them a bastard file, and I'm like, okay, now you're grind you're doing this, and do this until it gets pretty close, and then you can use switch to the stone. I had a medium, uh, I had a, a coarse and a medium grit. Real spike knives. So, you know, they're, they're obviously not the top of the line stuff, but it's the format. It's the process. How you go about forging a rail spike knife is the same way you go. Oh, dude, will put that, he'll put that on the back behind his desk on some bookcase and he'll put it right next to. Let's like, talk about it forever. Yeah, for sure. This one time I was at this, was at this festival where they had to warn us about the brown acid. But the coolest thing was I got to forge a knife. Right. And, and, there, were, people, and there were no dead bodies. Yeah. And there weren't dead bodies. Well. We actually don't know. That maybe, I know maybe there were. <laughs> I mean, if they're doing a sweep, it there, means they found them before. There could have been, but they're good at keeping that stuff on the. You know, Frank, uh, how are we doing over in section B on the bodies? <laughs> <laughs> Only seven so far. Seven out of out of seven thousand is not bad. Fifty percent of last year, just one, <laughs> just, just one. Oh, uh, how many? Too many. One so, too many. So, uh, how long does it take if somebody comes out there uh, to the Renaissance Festival in Gold Canyon and does one of these uh, nails with you? These ra railroad yeah. spikes. So the rail spikes, uh, they take somewhere between thirty and forty minutes of hammering, and then uh, we take your knife and then we grind it. We finish it right on site. It goes in a leather sheath that we make from our. What shop kind of grinder do you have? We use the Grizzly Grinders. Okay. Uh, they're, they're quick workhorses. Um, everything at the Dragon Forge Experience is set up to be streamlined and limited choices. So uh, I used to work in user experience, and um, one of the things that we know there is if you give people seven options, they can't make a damn decision. You give them three, and they choose immediately. They know what they want. Mm -hmm. So everything from what the grinders have to do 
I can limit their options. Okay. You're making this knife. You're doing this grind. You're doing it this way. You're going to get good at it. You're going to be able to do it in five minutes, and we're going to move on. And um, and that's the goal. So we do, use does the customer get to do the grinding also? They don't. The okay. re, the at the Ren Fair locations, they don't like that, and also my insurance company doesn't like that. Yeah. So I'm not allowed to have any customers use the equipment unless. I were to give them an entire class, and it has to be an educational class. That's my insurance. Like a safety class? Mm. No, it has to be more than a safety class. I, I have to give a safety briefing for the forging already, um, but it has to be a legitimate. I have to do instru- like an hour of instructional um, time on more than just safety. Otherwise, it's expensive. I already have a $2 million insurance policy, which is double what most people have to have at it. So Yeah. yeah. Have you had anybody get wounded out there yeah yeah it happens i mean that's a that's part of it people get burns i mean the the basic ones you get little fire scale that hits yeah. the arms and um i just tell people that's a that's a extra free souvenir that you get yeah that, that's bragging rights go home and tell your friends yeah. you got a burn and you yeah. like show them that you did something real and what did they right. do they ate no, popcorn on the no weekend. beard oil required this week yeah yeah you're, yeah you got, did you hear that sound that was one of your balls dropping yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly yeah and so actually um the way that we frame it uh, people actually kind of look forward, and sometimes they're disappointed when they get through and they, they haven't don't get been burned. burned, right? Like, look, you got to get burned. Yeah, yeah. And we do get it's part. It's part of being a rock star. It's you're going to yeah. get herpes, mm-hmm. you know? Just, That's it. You're if you don't have herpes yet, you're not really a seasoned Neil no. Young. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Neil Young's kind of got himself uh-huh. back on the map this week, not in oh, the best way. Well, I missed it. What happened? Well, you know, last I love week. Neil Young. No. Well, no, I love no, Neil I Young, too. Fair. I don't know what's going on. Oh, that's yeah. funny. Yeah. So, Tell me something. Yeah, you have to check your dino net. Mm-hmm. Um, what happened, I guess, is uh, he threatened Spotify to pull his music if they didn't get rid of Joe Rogan. Oh, uh, no, I did hear that. <laughs> I was actually kind of surprised that he hopped on that bandwagon. I'm like, um, you know... You're like 90, and there's only a few weirdos like me who yeah. still like your music. So I don't yeah. know if I'd push it there, Neil. Yeah. Like all your fans are pretty long in the tooth or they're bearded hippies. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I fit in that because I do still listen to Neil Young. I listen to Neil Young too, man. Even his, even his whiny ass Canadian voice. Yes. I like him. I like it. And my wife hates him. She does not like Neil Young. <laughs> well, you but know, I like him. So I listen to him when she's not around. Well, you know, uh, who, who else do you listen to? Oh, God. I, I Well, weird pagan shit. To start it with, so like Wardruna, um, I okay. I'm just gonna skip over some of that stuff. No, tell the me. David Brothers, um, I love the David Brothers, and um, I like uh, uh, the Black Keys. Um, I I like surf rock. I'm actually a big Dick Dale fan, and um, yeah, I like. Uh, um, and when he says a big Dick Dale fan, big he Dick means Dale? He's, a, he's a huge Dick. Dick Dale fan. Dale fan. Yeah, big Dick Dale fan. <laughs> Uh, I just want to remind everybody that I'm not the dead gay porn star. Not Josh the dead. Weston, this is Josh but A. Weston. I do like Big Dick Dale. Big fan. Dick Dale. That's, that's fucking awesome. Um, now yeah. you went on and did the uh, Fortune Fire thing. I did. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's so twice. We're gonna get to oh. it. My my son watches the show. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And I don't have TV, so yeah. I don't watch anything. I don't watch it. I'm too busy now. I'm making stuff. My kid says to me, you know, what do you do if you're like, you know, my kid, he doesn't know that he, I mean, he knows, but my kid was not around when I was like traveling and fighting. Yeah. He was not around when I was an air show pilot, flying yeah. airplanes and I'm flying all mm-hmm. these old dangerous planes. We should crash about airplanes. that later. Can we yeah. talk about that later? Yeah, sure. Okay, cool. Um, he doesn't know any of that stuff about yeah. me. Real. I mean, he knows yeah. he's seen pictures. He's like, oh my God, you flew that? Yeah. yeah. 
But uh, he's just like, oh, my dad just goes to the office to the knife making yeah. company. They just make knives. And then he sees people who are fans, and the knife fans are like, oh. Yeah. And, and, and then, but he's like, well, are you going to ever do anything like Forge and Fire? Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's always, like, I don't care if you are a real porn star. <laughs> your your, your uh, kids are going to ask you, like, well, like, uh-huh. do you ever get to make out on camera? Or do you ever deliver <laughs> lines? That's right. all you do? These are my friends. I gotta go. I don't want to hang out with my dad anymore. And he's like, uh, I, I'm like, what do you, you want to watch something? He goes, Yeah, do you want to watch Forge and Fire? I go, You're shitting me. You want to watch Forge and Fire? <laughs> he goes, it, Yeah, it's a really it, cool it show. It has dad. an amazing cult following. It, it was it, it was slated to be D list, like D scheduled. <laughs> they didn't expect it to survive more than a season. And and it is just one of the biggest shows on the history channel network now crazy they can't stop it they sh- maybe should stop it but it, they can't <laughs> the format's good like yeah. hey we found some people who who want to swing a hammer we're going to yeah. get them on the show yeah but the, there's some things i think that's great uh for it is that it is propelling people to pick up something and do something you know i am endlessly engaged in conversation with people around the world over social media uh helping them get started and that's why i do the dragon forge experience and frankenmuth we call it the bavarian blacksmith experience we're in uh, a german Where, team there where's that? Town, in frankenmuth michigan we're open 360 days or something like that a year in a mall that's a german this yeah it's a themed german town german settlers and frankenmuth in the middle of michigan oh my god um and this it's, country's got so much fucking dude, funny shit going yeah, on everywhere dude, and the militia there is hilarious it's hilarious the the whole town uh no i don't want to get into it uh, uh, and, but it, and but, by the way everyone at frankenmuth today don't rem- don't forget our militia members yeah. who are guests today uh 10 off the dragon forge knife experience exactly exactly <laughs> I could so, just do fake announcements yeah, all day. I love it. We'll do it. I'll honor it. You come in and you talk about the uh, <laughs> fake discount. We got you. I'll, <laughs> I'll throw it out there. Uh, and uh, we've got a dead body sweep going on in section <laughs> yeah. three. It's just part of an insurance requirement, ladies and gentlemen. But uh, where are your children? Well, and we bleach all of our acid. <laughs> oh, my God. And uh, there's no brown acid, so trip at will. You're good. You're yeah. good. Tripping approved. So uh, you, you, do the, you did the History Channel two seasons, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was in season two, episode six. I think it was actually the tenth episode filmed. Um, it was the second, whatever the second one in season two was. So it was pretty early on, still pretty um, uh, interesting format. The treatment um, backstage was really bizarre, um, and and that all changed by season four. It was just really tight. We were all like uh, kept in um, cold warehouses and then warm over here, and it was like. It was really kind of bizarre. We were spaced out. We weren't allowed to talk. Uh, just to try to keep everything very secret and and keep us on edge, so that by the time we get out to forging, we're maybe in a different mental space than we are because we're we're separated from the comfortability of ourselves and our skill. By the time you actually get to do anything, right? Oh, they're trying to put you through hell week real fast. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a condensed uh, psychological ramp up to Does throw it, you off your game. Is uh, they're trying? Were they so they were trying to throw you off your game? Absolutely, absolutely. Because uh, it creates drama. Yeah, and early on, trying to get us to say 
uh, talk shit about the other um, contestants that we were up against in their process. But the thing is, they, they quickly realized is, A, the community's small, and we're not fucking over our brothers for this damn TV show. A, right. and B, we're too busy making our shit. You, you see we're running grinders and power hammers and stuff. You're not running that stuff and looking over at Jimmy over there going, how's Jimmy doing? Yeah. Cr- wrecking your fingers and getting, yeah, come on. So they, they did adapt by the time I went back season four. It was completely different. We were talking, hanging out. I was on with Ray Kirk. Ray Kirk and I spent many, many hours over many, many days together drawing on the cardboard snack boxes I was ripping up so we'd have something to write on. And uh, he was teaching me stuff. I was going over things that I learned. And uh, it it was uh, just an amazing um, brilliant thing by the second time I was on. I was really happy with the growth of the showrunners. And that's why I have... Uh, I, I continue to be a fan of the show for what it does in the maker community and with people. Um, and it has given me the opportunity to launch this thing, and I'm engaging with thousands of people. I think we do, uh, I think we did 5,000 some um, knife making experiences in Frankenmuth this last calendar year. And that doesn't count what we've done at Ren Fairs. So, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, kind of a service to the community doing it. I know yeah. you're making a living doing it, but mm-hmm. uh, certain things go away. Yeah. And when let's they, talk about depression. And when they go away, they're gone. Yeah. Oh, oh, as far as crafts and things. And this yeah. is keeping it alive. Yeah, I see where you're Yeah, going. because, yeah. I mean, there are less farriers probably than there's ever been. Yeah. There are less. There's probably there's fewer horses that need it. Yeah. Hey, for a variety of reasons, there is less metal hand forming going on than ever. Yeah. But it's probably a kind of growth segment. Yeah. You're making a growth segment out of it. Yeah. You know, I don't know how many new anvils are sold each year in the United States. It's on the uptick, and I'm. I was just going to say, I bet that. it's Ten on the uptick. Ten years ago, you could barely find one anywhere. Right. It took me five years to to finally source my first one from from being obscure, not knowing where they are, hunting them out myself. Back then, there weren't. It wasn't loaded internet forum. Right of resources for this. Now, if you want to get into blacksmithing, it's really not that hard to find the resources because there's a lot more people doing it. There's companies making anvils. Uh, I just bought a whole bunch for the Dragonforge experience from Atlas Knife. And can I, can I Atlas Knife until yeah, I'm going to do sure. a shameless plug no, right go here? Ahead, go they got good affordable anvils and they, they, they kick out a bunch of good batches. Really top of the line ones come out of Holland, Michigan, Holland Anvil Company. Mm-hmm. A lot more expensive. He does smaller batches, but he uses really high tolerance, really fantastic steel um they cost a lot more but if you want to get going you can get 117 150 65 pound whacker from atlas knife and tool and get yourself going you know yeah it's um it's you know in a little tiny industry it doesn't take much to make it surge yeah yeah I mean, we've got grinder companies popping out like broadbeck ironworks is a fantastic story these guys met on set on forged and fire They've now um, come up with a grinder that is one of the most, they've, they've got every accessory you could possibly have on that. Now, are they 100% amazing, each of them? No, I mean, it's like any multi-tool, the more shit it's you put on compromise, there. There's a little compromise, yeah. Yeah, there's a little compromise, but it, for me, I have a one-car one garage. I need a tool that I can do a lot with because I can't, I don't have the space for 30 different tools. Yeah. So it's- um, And what's that company? It, what's that company called again? Um, Broadbeck- Broadback Ironwork, Broadback Knife, you know, I mix all these companies or so. But but look at just where, look where at Broadback, uh, Cincinnati, all Cincinnati. Right. And the, and um, how much is their grinder? 
it ranges from I think a chassis somewhere in the eighteen hundred to twenty five, thirty five hundred. Is it a bench mount thing or does it go on a pedestal? Uh, you can do both. You can do bench mount pedestal. Uh, I have them uh, bench mounted on my shop, um, but I also use a Wilmot. Mm -hmm. I have a uh, TW90 at Travis Works. Mm -hmm. um, uh, at the Dragonforge Experience, we use Grizzly or what's the what, what's the white version of that? Shopbox. We also use Shopbox. Shopbox comes with a 10-inch wheel. The Grizzlies come with an 8-inch, so it's just a different uh, hollow. You know, I prefer the 10-inch, um, but uh, I, the 8-inches is faster to get that shit in when you got to move quickly. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and those are easy to replace. But the thing is, you could get a Grizzly for 450 bucks two years ago. They're 960 dollars now. Actually, I saw them on Amazon for like 1,100 dollars this yeah. year. Yeah. So even they have doubled recently. So yeah. at that point, why not go with it? Get like put another thousand dollars in it and get an amazing broadback or uh, yeah, no. Um, yeah. I, I agree that the, the stuff... Vashti grinders coming out of I think Canada I think it's Vashti that that I've been looking at that I think I want to give that one a shot because it's crazy it's I, you guys I, could rock Burkings here all Burkings I love them I I tried them out at blade show one of the weird things I do is instead of selling knives at blade show I make one off of shit from the floor I just go around I heard about vendors. That. yeah it's a it's a lot of fun um and it it I I am actually having a really hard time being here and not being in a shop making stuff right now it's really difficult for me to contain okay so that. listen sometime uh, what we can do if you want let's set up another thing where you yeah. come out and uh, I want to carve handle I want to like sculpt a handle uh, well, we'll have you come Forge out. Forge knife, you got a power hammer back there. I do. I haven't even set the damn thing up. You see it just sitting I did. there? It I just did. got all restored. Uh, it looks beautiful. Um, I don't know. I need a press or something. You There's do. a couple of the things I need. Get, a, get yourself a coal iron press. See? I just got the 16 plus so fast. For somebody like me that doesn't have a lot of time, that plus, that thing moves. I can operate. Is these it like 16 as in 16 ton? Yeah, 16 ton. Yeah. I actually just replaced my, I sold my uh, Riverside Machine 25 and I upgraded to the coal iron 16. Now I know that math doesn't sound right. Coal but iron it, as in C-O-A-L? C-O-A-L, yeah. Mm -hmm. They're yeah. out of uh, Andersonville, Indiana. Uh, great American-made company, all made there. A wonderful group of guys uh, and girls. Uh, they got a lot of great uh, welders and fabricators there. They're doing some What's really that great cost? machine work. They range from about, you can get in a 12-ton for like $1,100. And it's just like sits on a, on a you can put it on a wheelie cart. And I have two 12 tons at my Michigan shop. We use those to make Damascus. We need 25, 30 layer stacks of Damascus on those 12 tons and just zip right through them. How much is a 16 ton? That's a 16 ton. I think it was, I bought a bunch of accessories, Let's like 72, 7,200. Yeah, uh, they ship it. All you have to do is um, pop the wheels on and roll it all around. So a so, single car garage, and I it's can pretty, reconfigure my shop. So it being a lower tonnage, but faster, the speed makes up for the... Yeah, the total but, number. but the way that they've got those engineered is that I haven't noticed the, uh, what is it, 10 tons, 25 tons to, to 18, 13, 13 ton difference, 14, 15, 16, fuck, I'm not mathing right now, but whatever the drop is. It, it to me it feels like an upgrade from my Riverside 25. It also is quieter. So if you're in a neighborhood, oh, okay. it runs pretty quiet. The 16 not plus is even quieter than the 16 plus and it's slower. So I would recommend if you've never used a press before, maybe don't start with the plus because it is fast and you might over squish a lot. 
but you can always put a kiss plate in there. You know, if you want it to only be an inch thick, then pop that in there and it won't go less than that. You know, put a three eighth mm -hmm. spacer on. Uh, so there are ways that you can learn to control something that is when you're over your head. Yeah. So yeah, a great company. Definitely look into them. Actually, you should probably bring one of them on here because those are, yeah. Good that's, dudes. that's what I do. Put, put, oh, you mean bring one of them on the show? Yeah. Oh, but you should get one out here. Well, I'm thinking about it. Like, you know, what I want to make is a little blacksmith corner. And I want to have yeah. like a little hammer in for the guys. Yes. So, you know, like on Sundays, they could come in and hammer and yeah. uh, to have a little adventure uh -huh. outside the norm. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So did you tell me how the thing went on, on the Force of Fire? Did you end up, I mean, is there a winner? There is a winner. There is a winner. Uh, they're all, they're all winners. It's, hey, look, we're post, we're after the 90s. Everyone gets a trophy, man. Everyone. No, no. Uh, but I mean, I think just being on the show is kind of a win for it was kind of a win for a oh, lot sure. of Oh, sure. That's a great PR thing, um, right? It absolutely tanked my knife making business, though, when I went on because I, I, lo I lost. Um, I didn't. I went to the end. I went to the finals, but I, um, I didn't pull out the victory. How did it tank your and, knife making business? Uh, it, it really, that the the edit really did make it look like i had no idea how to sharpen a knife and who wants a doll knife you know oh shit yeah so i went from um selling some pretty nice high-end knives on a on a regular basis to, to a complete dry spell uh i i um took a gamble and i uh got a, i got a credit card and i bought a press and i bought a um uh, new forges and a grinder. Um, I, I bought I bought equipment, you know, because they're like, hey, everyone who goes on doesn't matter how you do. Everybody's doing better. Bam, nosedive. Oh, my wife was pissed. Rightfully so. Rightfully so, because she's like, where's all this business we're supposed to get? Like, I don't know. So uh, I just ended up um, having to pull my bootstraps up, and I made my knives, and I started going to more knife shows. And people would they they'd recognize me, and they're like, oh, this is sharp, and i just go lick it and tell me. If you don't think it's sharp, go ahead. So what happened on the sharp thing? Um, I didn't, in the first rounds, uh, in round two, when we had to finish the knives, I didn't prioritize the right things. So I didn't go back to a 400 grit and put a fresh edge. And I was cutting myself with it along the way. We were making daggers. They were doing stab tests. And, um, and so it didn't cut as well as the other knives. Um, and uh, so rightfully called out on that. So at the end, I, I, uh, I actually, between when I finished there and went home, I bought a knife sharpener that I could strap onto the thing so I could make sure I had the angle right. And I was not gonna fuck up on the end, and um, but I made a kukri, and um, and here's something where I think the the show lacks in a lot of the education and tying to what is going on, right? So we're on the History Channel. We are told to make a historical kukri from Nepal, um, a very specific type, which is one that people aren't used to seeing. It was that longer, thinner one, not the more angled. Um, one that was that the Gurkhas used. So that this this is something that they don't explain on the show to the viewing public. Um, additionally, when you look at a kukri, that grind isn't the same geometry from tip to end. Oh, it it changes be. because it has three different, different purposes yeah. for depending on what you're cutting. So I matched that. I still have on my workshop the draw. Oh no, I don't. I, it got moldy, so I just recently threw it out. But uh. For five years, six, five, six years, I've had this drawing to scale of what I did, and it's got 
this section super sharp. This one is, is a different angle. And back here, it's a fucking Scandi grind. So when you're into that, it's different things. And so when they're like, oh, it's it's only sharp on this section, they're like, this it should be this sharp the whole way. And Will Willis was like, fuck no. And I had the bounce right, and I had the, the, the maneuverability of it. The other one was built super heavy, and you overswing and couldn't recover. And it was more blasting through the targets than actually slicing through as much. And so it was really frustrating because none of that None of the conversation about that was aired, um, and the final cut test that that kind of ruined it for me didn't air. You, you'll never see it. You'll never see it, and I'm actually not going to say why you won't see it, but you can take your guess. Um, it didn't go according to uh, production plan, so it never aired, and I and so I lost. Um, and Jason Ray, I lost to Jason Red, great guy. Um, he deserves a win. He did a great job, and he made a, a solid blade. Um, but, but that's probably my frustration is that I don't think that they do enough education to the viewing public. Everyone thinks that every weapon out there should be this uh, hair-splitting razor yeah, yeah. for all tasks. I mean, and, and really when I started getting very frustrated was it was a military episode. Uh, I think it was a Marines one because they used a beach barricade, the, the steel barricade things from there and what they did is they tested the knives on gun barrels it's like you're not you know like that's a stupid soldier that's trying to cut a gun barrel We're, are we are we all just supposed to be dumb here this is dramatic yeah they, that's what it is for so now the tests have had to actually go to uh destructive tests they're trying to destroy blades as opposed to actually real world testing them off of what they should have been designed and should have used. This is why I don't get involved in anything. I've been asked to be on a bunch of shows, including yeah. Forge and Fire, and uh, I said, only if I have editing rights, you all can eat yeah. a bag of dicks. Yeah. Not interested. Yeah. And they'll be like, why would you say that? Because I don't know what you fags are up yeah. to. And if they hear me talk, uh, all I have to do is wear a Trump hat one day, and next thing you know, yeah. I'm the... I'm the guy who doesn't know what steel is. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they, I, they really edit, can. Editing can change yeah. everything. Yeah. And the, the truth is the two episodes that I I was on, they they were, I would say, 90% accurate to the reality of what happened. But it's impossible in an hour time slot, which ends up being 42, 44 minutes of airtime, for them to take 30 days of film or however however much right. time we spend. And convey the whole truth. Yeah, I mean, they condensed the home build that's a, that at the time was a five-day, I think it's now a four-day build, and some of them are even three days. Um, they condensed all of that footage, which they're filming you nonstop for 10 hours a day or so. They condense it to 15 seconds. Right. So how can you possibly? So I understand. I mean, if if the if producers or people are listening to this and he's like he's shitting on the show, no, I'm not. I understand. I understand the 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 restraint. But you yeah. got a website. You, you got know, a fucking website. It's, you got a YouTube channel. Create more backstory. You've created these characters. You've created these people. You've introduced us to the world, and then you dump us off and you disengage your your public from it and you put out chinese fucking made knives and try to sell them these bullshit kitchen knives and and that's that's a slap in the face of the people that that they're bringing on that they're putting through these challenges and putting their reputation sorry i'm getting a little feisty here but they put our reputations at, at risk yeah for nothing they pay low and they take advantage of us and they're doing fucking great and they should they should pay contestants. Whether or not you win, you should get some money for that and not just that 31 per day useless DM. Well, and everybody quit, needs to quit being whores for TV. Yeah, that's true. And if everyone quits being whores for yeah. TV, then you're the master of your yeah. destiny. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is, uh, you know, maybe maybe what you guys could do is do a Fortune Fire alumni website. 
Yeah, they, we, we have a Facebook group. It's been going for years. Um, they do that. There's actually a lot of really cool gatherings. Uh, Texas Select is coming up in April. Um, I don't know the exact dates. It could be put in the description or something, but it's the biggest forged and fire contestant gathering in the country. Um, there's probably, I think there's going to be 70 some forged and fire contestants at it this year. It's in a, it's in a historic town in, um, Texas, uh, at a cowboy's shop cowboy. I can't say his last name. It's some sort of Polish sounding name, but, um, uh, great dude, great shop. Um, he operates out of a historic blacksmith shop in Belleville, Texas. It's uh, a really cool event. You should, if you're a fan, go to that event. That's a fantastic event to get to. And it's fantastic. It's fantastic. That's right. (laughs) Um, tell us about this other thing, knife or death. What's up? Knife or death was, it was, um, I thought it was a really cool show and I was really bummed that it, it, uh, it got rejected by the fans so hard. It really got shit on, which was a bummer because we actually got to make weapons and bring them on, or at least that was what it was supposed to be. And, um, uh, handmade, Maker made, they had to be all maker made knives. And you could basically kind of bring whatever the fuck you wanted and you would go through a cut course. So we were sold on this concept of it somewhere being uh, the Forged in Fire final test meets American Ninja Warrior. So I get to make my own knife and take it through that course and see how well I performed and how well my blade performed. So it, it was a, a really cool thing. But at the time, I don't think the, the Forged in Fire audience was ready for it because they wanted to see making knives. I've now had shitloads of people write me back and go, "We fucked up by not embracing that show because now you got you got like five years of people. You know how many 21, 22 year olds that come up to me and they're like, "I grew up watching that show," and I'm like, "Are you like grew up? Like, I mean, yeah, it's on season nine now, so yeah. sure." Uh, but th- but now they're they're makers. They're they're they're. They're buyers, they're makers, they're knife enthusiasts, and now they want to see how their shit performs. Right now they're at the point where they're making and they're testing, and so having that show around would have been a really cool thing to still be in existence. But I I think it was wrong place, wrong time, but uh, it was fucking cool to go through there, and um, I made a a take on a a Celt-Iberian war knife, which is sort of like a chieftain's ceremonial knife. There's, There's... there's conflicting historical opinions as to whether it was actually used in warfare, if it was just sort of a decoration ring pommel type thing. It was popular through Celt-Iberia and the Germanic tribes. So you see it a lot in those areas. And um, and I made one to the safety specs of the show uh, through a little bottle opener in the ring pommel because, you know, celebrating victories, right? Yeah. Celtic, they might want to have Boom. some ale afterwards. Exactly. Uh, so uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, there were uh, some crazy targets we had to go through, big ice blocks to cut. But then you had to be able to, after cutting through a lot of stuff, um, precision cut through um, you know, the, the back fin and the bottom fin of a fish, and you'd have to get through and cut the whole thing, no hanging points, um, cut, cutting rope. Uh, cutting hang, free hanging rope is actually pretty difficult. You have to have the right angle. You know, it's about... Uh, the 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 geometry and the shape of the the direction you come with the cut the force sure. you apply the speed the angle at which you snap or break your wrist and then the geometry of your blade a has lot to of be technique able to do it a lot yeah. of technique yeah a lot of technique you can make any knife look bad or good absolutely so yeah. you know I was thinking about uh, a couple of years ago I was talking with uh, Jeff you know we kind of always are always noodling over things for, I do a lot of stuff people don't realize. I, t- you know, I take a lot on the chin because I'm outspoken and I just kind of call it like I see it. And I'm opinionated and my opinions, it may not always be right. 
Yeah. I think it's always fucking right. That's right. But nobody right ha- enough to you. But but nobody has to walk through life in my jeans, you know? Right. So um it's kind of polarizing, but I do a lot of stuff really for the knife industry. And one of the things that I did that has changed the knife industry a lot in the twelve years that I've been doing knives. About the same time Sad, as you, yeah, yeah, nice. Uh, one of the things that's changed is people are finding out what it really costs to make a knife yeah. and really charging the right amount. Yep. And they were so often we, uh, I, I could borrow a line from Vic Krulock's book. General Krulock wrote about, he says, I choose to live life looking over the bow, not the stern. Uh huh. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> you know, it was yeah. a fucking serious moment for me. Yeah. A lot of people, uh, the knife industry is kind of an old curmudgeon business. It is. It's an old, durable, hard good. Yeah. And the guys who are the shot callers in it mm-hmm. are oldsters, and they're looking over the bow, the uh, stern of the boat usually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they're price fixated on the past and yeah. on cheap. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've told more than one head of knife company, go, hey, man, you're thinking wrong about this. There's fucking 10-year-olds walking around with $1,500 phones. Dude, yeah, I 100% agree. I've, I have, um, you go on TV and and... People want to talk to you. People want to do things with you. And um, I've kind of just, in the last two years, have pulled way back because I've basically been uh, kind of fucked over and taken advantage of by a bunch of companies that that want to continue to just push cheap shit. Yeah. And I and I ended up walking out of a place. Um, I did take. I made the mistake. I'm like, oh, I'm do it for the experience. Um, I make blacksmith knives. I really like to to do the full thing. Um, uh, I, I don't even I'm gonna talk I'm just gonna say the company's name because I don't fucking care matter. I'll call them out um, Smoky Mountain Knifeworks yeah Smoky Mountain Knifeworks is like hey you we'll, we'll take your knives but we're only paying 25 bucks a knife because we can only sell them at 50 bucks they put you in their Asian component and I component. was like are you fucking kidding me yeah and, and, and they're like well just use mild steel and case harden them and I'm like no right no so I used 1095 um, I used an adapted process to make it work because I literally at $25 could not forge them all. So I made a water jet pattern. I had them water jetted. I still had to, I had to forge the twist in, bend it around. I made a bending jig um, and I still forged bits and pieces and then finished the knife. It was all still uh, handmade by me in my garage. But I initially hammered out the the, the template, measured the template, so it was done from a, a forged blade. Um, but that ended up costing me to, to make the knife, heat treat it, and put it in a sheath. Uh, my material cost without my time was $18. So I made $7. And you still had to make it. And I still had to make it. Yeah. So so there's no way in the amount of time it took me to make each one that it was worth it. So they ordered 100 knives. They sold out within a month and a half. Um, and I instead ordered enough to make 150 knives. I made 50 extra, and I sold them at 150 bucks a piece, and I sold out before they sold out. And then they were like, hey, let's do another run. We'll do 35 bucks. And I was like, no way. No way. You've yeah. got to sell these for $100, and you need to pay me at least 50 and even that's fucking shit. And, and I, ha- I got in an argument with them and their then-creative director in purchasing at the time, and I go, you're talking to to makers now you're not talking to companies right right? so you're having these conversations with us because we're personalities that have been on tv and we have some spotlight on us so you're like oh hey let's let's jump that that. bandwagon i'm like if you're going to jump that bandwagon don't shove us in china's box you're going to have to market a different way people will buy the knives i got no problem moving so they have an they're an interesting uh company to talk about because they have a 
large footprint in uh, knives in the United States, yeah. especially on the East Coast. It's ma it's massive, and yeah. they have a very large Asian component to mm -hmm. their business. Whereas you look at a company like, let's say, DLT Trading. DLT yep. Trading has a very small Asian component to their business, um, and they're I DLT has been. I mean, uh, uh, Smoky Mountain Knife Works has been great for us to work with because yep. uh, because I I I I stuck to my guns. Yeah, and they've developed really. They're developing. Uh, I'm going to say judgment, an American-made judgment. Yeah. It's different from their mainline business. Yeah. Because uh, Chinese knives are basically like selling heroin. It's a crazy profit margin business yes. made in a false reality. Yeah. So it's like heroin shows up and you you make you know some crazy number off of it and all you got to do is sell it. Yep. The, um, but that's not, it's not really, we're not seeing the full fallout of that yet. The China thing we're going to see something happen with that. Yeah. That's yeah. already doubling. Yeah. And when you start doubling Chinese, yeah. then Americans start seeming kind of downright goddamn reasonable. Yeah. Um, and, and I think the Chinese stuff's going to triple. Yeah. You know, they've been, you know, it, it, most people, I don't want to bore everybody unless you have a strong economics background to see what the Chinese are doing to manipulate currencies yep. and the way they're funding factories and raw materials. Yeah. Um, you know, how does somebody make a knockoff of my $700 marquee knife, the Praetorian. How does somebody make a knockoff of that, ship it here and sell it for less than it costs me to ship yeah. a knife to China? Right. Uh, you know, Trump kind of stopped that. We were yeah. apparently the United States, because they were considered a developing economy, we were underwriting their shipping. So they're knocking off our companies, our country's products and then American taxpayers, because are they're under a break for it. We're, we're, the gov the U.S. government is paying for the freight to get yeah. it here, so, and and so then uh, Customs and Border Patrol they're not going to turn away stuff that was paid for by the United States to get here. Yeah, sure. So it's an it's just a green light yeah. for uh, knockoff products to come yeah. in the country. As yeah. you start to scale up, all the stuff starts to matter. Yeah, you know, it's death by a thousand yes. cuts. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and, and so uh, I'm sure you could do the deal with Smoky Mountain Knife Works, but you have to dictate the terms. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> uh, and and I wasn't willing to sit and argue a whole bunch over, you know, 10 or 15 bucks, and they weren't going to change their marketing program at the time. I mean, this is four years ago. If you ever decide to do that again, you should call me up and let me help. I'm, I'd be happy to. Um, because yeah. here's why. I'm da I mean, they were like, let's let's design a knife too, but it had to be produced in China, and they had to pick the steel. And I was like, no, I didn't trust any of that. Well, that's good. That I'm you a did designer. That. I like to design a knife with somebody. Somebody's gonna eventually want to work with me on that shit, and I'm gonna have a lot of fun. But it's gonna be American. It's gonna be American stuff for me. We're you know we're one of the companies that's trying to get that option out there. Now the problem is we can't make enough of our own sure. stuff. Yeah. So we're trying to figure out like I know I could probably make another fifty thousand knives a year for other people right yeah. now because everybody has said, hey Greg, will you? Yeah. Because they know they're like he's a prick, but he delivers. Yeah. And he's outspoken, yeah. but goddamn it, those yeah. knives don't have any play. <laughs> yeah. Let's get. Yeah. So everybody I make knives for, you know, they make out like bandits yeah. on them. Uh, but they're like, hey, can you make ten thousand of those? I go, no, no. I, I can't even do your project again no. this quarter. Yeah. Um, the, the knife business is a funny business yeah. and, uh, there's so much outward pressure. It's hard to tool up, you know, uh -huh. restaurants are having a hard time finding employees right yeah. now. How do you think it is for machine shops? Yeah. I'm, I mean, I've, I've faced that issue. In fact, I leave today, I'm flying back to my shop in Michigan for, for turnover because it's, it's, it's tough 
to keep people. Uh, um, Bobby and I were actually talking about the, the like the conditioning of what we just went through with COVID mm-hmm. of being uh, just valuable for existing. We go back to that 90s thing. Everybody gets a fucking trophy. Uh, everybody gets paid to stay home and do nothing. So once you've been, when you've gone through that, going to a, a, a job, they're like, well, like uh, you pay me, you're, you're paying me the right for me to be here. Now, if you want me to actually work for you, you got to pay me on top of that. I'm like, how the fuck do you think I'm going to keep a job for you if you're not going to be able to do the minimum amount of work it takes to to keep the doors open? I had a guy quit a couple days ago and he quit and he was just obsessed and was really proud of himself and dislocating his shoulder, patting himself on the back because he's here every day on time. Yeah. And I said, hey, man, enough with that. That's your, that's the fucking, yeah. that's the beginning of a contract yeah. showing up. Yes. Quit saying how fucking you, yeah. you gave it your 100% because you fucking yeah. showed up. I, I saw a thing recently. The job is the job. Uh, job number one is the job, right? <laughs> so if you've been hired to do a job, uh, do that job. And you know, uh, it, the nice thing is for us though, um, there's there's there isn't an uptick in interest, so we haven't had a short of applicants. And um, and I enjoy teaching people, so I'm going up. I'm going to do training with my crew. Um, I've had some really nice uh, loyal people who have stayed through for our the last year and a half that we've been through. Uh, most of the people that have left or rolled over, they've either so. Uh, I I also have. And I, I argue sometimes with my wife about this, but um, I've been a creative director and senior art director at a lot of different agencies. And my my mindset always was uh, we hire you hire a lot out of college and you build skills into them. And whether or not the company liked it, I didn't give a fuck. I wanted all of my designers to be good. You were either going to get so good that we pay you more money or you're going to get more money elsewhere and you're going to propel your life forward. And I have a lot of people that worked for me um, between uh, like 2005 and 2016 that are in jobs well beyond the levels that I hit. And I am so proud of people who will go out there and just grab life and do it. So that's my model. And when I hire people, I tell, I still tell them the same thing. Whether or not it hurts me in the long run, I want you to have skills in a year that are, are way more than you have now and in two years and in three years. And if you continue to choose to work with us and you get better, hopefully – our business will also get better because you're more skilled yeah, and you can grow with us and we can all grow together. It's but the only way it you, works. You all have to buy into that. And, and if you get, if you follow that negativity route or someone gets selfish along the way, it, it can, it can wander. But I, I got no problems with my guys that went from zero knife making to now they're making great knives and they move on and they're, you know, if they're living at home or they, they, don't have as many because i hire a lot of young people you know so um you know if they if they're able to move on and pay for their living off of the knives that they're making you know what i've just done i've just i've just birthed another great blacksmith i've birthed somebody out into the american economy that's going to buy grinders they're going to upgrade their grinders in a couple years because they're going to outgrow that they're going to buy anvils they're going to buy a press they're going to buy a forging hammer Uh, a lot of these guys don't have that that tool and if they quit on good terms with me they come back and they can still use the shit in my shop on open forge night and they'll come and they'll make their damascus and they'll do their thing and then they'll go home and they'll finish it at their house and and i don't want to spread ill will i want to spread positivity about it so when we have rollover i'm going to face it like I need to face it and bring new people in and continue to move what I do forward. Cool. Um, 
You handled that better than I've handled it. <laughs> I don't always behind closed doors, but it's like, it sounds I've, I've nice. I've dropped a though. lot of curse words. Um, I've had uh, I've had a couple people go out and become well known knife makers, and um, um, one did it right, the other one did it as wrong as can yeah. be. And uh, the guy who did it right, he didn't even do it right to begin with, but he did it, and then he kind of mea culpa Yeah. Uh, and that was DSK Tactical. No kidding. Um, he, uh, you know, he, he learned knife making at my shop, and then he kind of came up with his own twist on yeah. it. And he's always, you know, and he, everyone does this weird thing when they when they leave me and go do their own thing. They separate and disassociate. Uh-huh. Like, oh, I, like they have to wash, wash their hands yeah. with me. And then they have somebody do it to them, and then yeah. they come right back. Uh-huh. And we're pals. Yeah. So he and I are actually good buddies. Yeah. And yeah. we we continue to be. And then the guy who did Scorpion Six Knives, he's just a backstabbing motherfucker. And he did his, <laughs> you know, that's that's okay. And he he he, you know, he went from me. Then he went to DSK Tactical, and then he went his own thing. And he kind of stole from everybody along the way. Yeah. Does his own thing. And you know what? The knife community can, if a guy can make good knives, and he learned how to make good knives from me. Mm -hmm. uh, and he learned how to do a bearing thing from Dan. Mm -hmm. And if a guy can do that, I've always said, if a guy can figure out how to do this, the knife community deserves you. Yeah. So sure. good, good on it because yeah. this is a hard fucking yeah this is a hard absolutely deal. it is not easy but you know, people are like i want to grow up and be a knife maker and i'm like it's, you should maybe you should go to a therapist or a counselor first to reevaluate that because it's a hard fucking road and if you don't have some grit you aren't going to make it past you're not going to make it past the first worn out belt oh, or I, the arm the, the yeah the, the arm fatigue uh what it does to your body um <laughs> is it's, it's real it's rough let yeah. me talk about two things i want to sure. get your take on them uh, the first thing is I want to put together a blacklist website. Okay. <laughs> it's for makers only. You uh -huh. have to be an accredited maker. You have to be invited in and you sure. have a code. Okay. And what we're going to do is we're going to put the names and contact information of blackballed customers. Ooh. Oh, just shit heels. You should uh. avoid at all costs. The, the, the tar and feather customers of yeah. life. Yeah. Um, and you know, which ones I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah. Oh, okay. hell yeah. What do you think? Yeah. I think that are you in? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh I everybody I've talked to, they're like, oh my God, Greg, I totally want you to do this. Uh and, and I'll tell you a story about that. And the second one is I want to come up with a standard for testing blades. Yeah. And uh we would call it like uh the American Olympic standard mm -hmm. or some kind of cool name. Yeah. Like uh maybe we call it the Johnny Appleseed test or something. Like give it a cool American name. Yeah, sure. And um what it would be is a test that kids could do in their backyards and put on YouTube. Yeah. And we would do it at like Blade Show as a demo brought yeah. to you by Men for Knife and Tool. Yeah, and then, like realistic things like can it cut glass? <laughs> uh, but I was thinking, and you know, what I want to do is I want to talk to some forge guys yeah. and some reduction guys to kind of like, hey, what's the cool test? Yeah. And yeah. uh and put together some cool thing that like anybody could make the test up for like a yeah. hundred bucks worth of stuff. Yeah. And then we would have kids all across America who buy knives testing them out. And uh, makers could test out using the standard. Like you have to use one inch rope that you get from Tractor Supply. This is the brand. Yeah. You have to use three of these plastic bottles. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Um, you could use two of these, one of those, just a certain way. And we use uh, 36 number two pencils bound together with four yeah. uh, rubber bands. Yeah. And sure. these are the cuts we do. Yeah. And how many do you cut clean through versus break? And you count them and here's how we rate it. So yeah. that there would be like this standard. Everybody I, could. I think you could add some some quality stuff too. Like uh, um, I, I have a, a friend um, in Michigan who I don't even know. I don't know how much I'm allowed to talk about, but I'm not under contract. But he did a... Uh, 
I won't say his name so nobody will know. Um, he did uh, Alone. He filmed Alone. And okay. he can bring uh, a, a certain amount of tools. So he had this Leatherman kit that he wanted, and there was some stuff on it that he couldn't get that didn't fit the thing. So I, he came over, and I modified his Leatherman so he could have the tools. What's Alone? What is that? Uh, it's History Channel show. You basically, I don't know how many people they send out into the wilderness, and they 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 have like a, a they have a, a bag of supplies. It's like naked and afraid, but with clothes. What with clothes? Okay. In, in different conditions, and okay. you go out and you're by yourself, just by yourself, and the last one in wins. Oh, that sounds awful. I would hate being stuck with me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, maybe if you you get a microphone, you get a camera, you just do you just do 180 days of podcast you know, it'd be by yourself. Awful. I would just be fucking. I already know what I'm gonna say. <laughs> and I'd be some arguing people, myself. I think do go time. crazy. Oh, I would go. I think that's why some people end it. I did like a three day vision quest, yeah. and I was like halfway in. I was like, all right, look, I know everything this asshole has to say. I'm fucking done. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, when do we start drumming? When, yeah. I when's the drumming circle start? You yeah. know. So, um, but I was pleasantly surprised when he brought that Leatherman in that um, I think it was all D2 steel. So I file tested it and I'm like, because he wanted some tools on the backs of, of pieces. He wanted to change things that much. And I'm like, wow, man, I don't know if they're like, I don't know if they're case hardened. I don't know if they're edge hardened. I don't know what they're doing here. Um, but I was really surprised to find how hard they were all around. And I was able to make him a very solid tool set that he practiced with before he went. He's like, yep, everything's. Uh, good to go and functions as it is. So uh, I get excited about things like that and being able to test and, and kind of know like is your spine on a, on a little razory looking knife you're doing is it all is it is this is this bullshit steel does it does it work where is it can you tell without destroying your knife if it is hardened steel or if you've bought some Chinese bullshit that is just you know stainless coated or chrome coated garbage you know at some point we're gonna not be able to say stainless bullshit anymore because no they're, it, they're, because they're, it's they're not get, anymore they're getting better yeah, yeah i've started to put out a, a lot of the blacksmith knife all my um survival cuffs are i'm converting them over to all be stainless now uh, because stainless has come a lot stainless isn't what stainless was when i was a kid it isn't what it was 10 years ago no the stainless now is awesome yeah and our stick a magnet to now because it's got so much carbon in it and, and our sharpening systems are better yeah. you know everyone was you know when you do hard stainless on an arkansas stone yeah. it doesn't sharpen real well no. like i've never had great success yeah. sharpening that way and in 1984 that was the only way to sharpen sure. a knife was yeah. arkansas yeah. oh do you yeah. have an arkansas stone? i'm like god i don't yeah. even know anybody can make one of those right. i mean some people can make them work yeah. i could I could never make no. them work really well. Yeah. yeah. I could never get shaved sharp with it, one. It takes a lot of patience and time. Yeah, and, and, uh, I, and, and I, I think guys like I'm looking around at, at the interest levels in your brain and you don't you don't got the time for Arkansas stone. <laughs> my dude. You know, I like Japanese whetstones. Yeah? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I've played with those and I'm like, oh, I you can, like them. I well, get they, great results a, with them. They're bigger, right? They're bigger. I can yeah. cover some I can get some mm -hmm. work done with them. Yeah. I really like yeah, them. Yeah, that's my problem with the little ones. It's kinda like <sighs> how do I keep this in a in, yeah. yeah. Um so I was thinking about this cut thing. Uh, as something that like we have it at a as a demo at Blade Show, yeah, where makers can come out with their knife and, and guys the test. and customers can come out with their knife of this various maker, sure. Um, and it'd be interesting to see what would I think a lot of times what we find out is there is a person or a guy or two that they are the best cutters. Mm -hmm. It's not the knife. Yeah, some it's a little bit of the knife, but it's a lot of the user. Mm -hmm. And I've told guys over and over, like I said, oh, this guy's knife does this, and this guy's knife goes, hey, that's not true. Yeah, I said, look, I, I, give me his knife, I'll side load it. Mm -hmm. It won't work right when you're done. Yeah. And if I can do that with my bare hands, the mechanism's got a problem. Yeah, 
Yeah. Guys like, oh, you can do that. I'm like, well, let me let me see your nine hundred dollar yeah. knife. And I hand it back to him, and they go, "Fuck, you ruined my knife." I go, "Dude, it was it it, it came ruined." Just so you know, it was pre broken. <laughs> like if I can sideload it with my hands, not uh -huh. grunting or bending it over yeah. the side of a table, yeah. that's not a good yeah. mechanism. Yeah, I'll be honest. I was in your shop. They handed me a whole bunch of knives, and I they work. They <laughs> they don't bend. I did test some of your finish now. I was like, push. Good. Good shit. You know, uh, I love knives. I love cutlery. I love the making of them. I like the business a lot. I yeah. um, I call everybody out. I've called everybody out on the Chinese. I mean, I do business with folks who do a lot of Chinese yeah. business, and I harass them to no yeah. end. Um, there are steals that exist right now because of me harassing the manufacturers about. I'm like, hey, can you tell me something? Why am I paying $23 a pound for this fucking steel that's coming out of China right now? Mm -hmm. And they go, what do you mean? I go, why am I getting this from you mm -hmm. if China's got it also? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, you're selling it to them? Yeah. Then why am I buying it from you? Yeah. You better come up with a better brand. Yeah. And they're like, uh. And, and you know, I, I mean, I, I'm polite about it. I'm doing it over dinner. I'm like, hey, you know, just so you know, it's not worth a bunch of money to me if my Chinese competitors are using the same stuff you're selling. Yeah. Well, it's an, it's an expanding market. I go, well. <laughs> it's an expanding market for everybody else who went out of business also because mm -hmm. they're going to take your steel and they'll be making it over there putting your brand on it and copying it yep. and you're next yeah and you can't do anything about it so how big do you need to get can you just get big enough with us mm -hmm. i'm like if you just get big mm -hmm. enough with us you know if i was a I, you know i've been thinking about i want to buy a steel company that makes knife steel nice yeah. and uh i want to have it be a part of a family of companies yeah and the knife making would be one of one of the companies, my yeah. company. Mm -hmm. I want to buy the steel mill. Yeah, and uh, I'd like to ha own the entire, the making of yeah. the re refining of the ore and the raw materials all, all the way, way to the, the done end. product. Dude, that's awesome. And uh, the reason I want to do it is I want to be able to say no. Yeah. Nope, you can't have it. No, nope, yeah. we're not sending it to China. Yeah. yeah. We're not sending it to Taiwan either. Yeah. Because Americans don't differentiate well between Taiwan and China. No, are they different? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I know. Um, I and, dated someone from Thailand. You know? Oh, oh yeah. It's from Thailand or from Taiwan? <laughs> oh yeah. No, Thailand. Yep. Sorry. Yeah. It's super different. See, I'm American. So I can't even do geography. So what's interesting? That's in Europe, right? Yes. Yes. Right yeah. near the uh, uh, Tropic of they, Capricorn. And they speak with an Australian accent. That's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. So we had um. We've had kind of a weird phenomenon here, and a lot of folks don't know what's going on, but. Taiwan is buying up Arizona and it's at an astounding rate and they're putting in the biggest factories in the world right here in Phoenix. We, everyone's like, what's going on? And, uh, I know what's going on. You know, they, they know that China's coming and they're bailing on their own country. No shit. Oh yeah. It's big. Taiwan semiconductor 10 miles from here is building the biggest semiconductor facility in the world. I've have you seen those construction cranes up? Yeah. Um, what's the most amount of them you've ever seen? Like at one time, five. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. How about five? A, how about a hundred? No. Oh yeah. Like I've never fucking seen so much going on. Shit. Crazy. Uh, and then, uh, you know, I own this building and I yeah. own it in my last factory also, and the property values have gone just yeah cuckoo. Yeah. All right. Residential has done that. Yeah. Because of COVID and California mm -hmm. coming here and all of that. Yep. that. We expect that. And it's kind of cyclical yep. in Phoenix. But industrial kind of is, is not as cyclical. Industrial yeah. kind of, yeah. it's a little more like the grown-ups are in charge. This is yeah. a slower burn. 
uh, the industrial real estate's gone crazy because you've got these Taiwan fab companies coming in that make components. You've got Taiwan semiconductor, Taiwan manufacturing, yeah. Taiwan steel. I mean, they're they're really coming here. Yeah, and they're buying up, you know, what we would consider to be like tricky properties to sell. Yeah, hundred and forty thousand square foot yeah. properties on twenty acres with yep. a foundry. They're buying them up. Yeah. Like, okay, we'll take those for yeah. four times value. Like, they're bailing on their country. They just don't even care about the price either. They're just no, going to pay it. They're, they're like, like, oh, no, okay. Taiwan's way more expensive than this. Yeah. Dude, we're out in the desert here. We'll take it done. Yeah. We'll take two. Wow. You got another one? <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, so We don't care if it's next door or 150 miles away. What was the two things I mentioned? One was the standardized knife cut test. I want to do. I want to come up with something called, like, called the uh, the American, like, uh, AC. American cut standard ACS or something yeah. and so that people could compete and you could find out you know what yeah. are the best knives because yeah. a lot of times it's the best dude a lot of times a guy that's a really good cutter he can make all kinds of knives work yeah 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 or or or, or even look bad if, or is my knife even even worth what I paid for it you know like I just bought this knife is it worth it um, I get, I, I see so many trash knives, you know, I'm out at, at rent fair, people pull out their knives and they're like, Hey, can you sharpen my, I like the blades like loose in the thing. And it's a the blades aluminum. I know it's not aluminum, but you know, it's like, it's might as well fucking be because I was like, if, if I put an edge on this, it doesn't matter anyhow. Yeah. So, um, I oftentimes decline the sharpening services for a lot of knives because i like go spend five dollars and get a new one if this is the knife you like to carry i notice when i get most knives made in china uh if i go to sharpen one for somebody uh the metal disappears yeah I'm like, oh it's shit gone. it's not what i'm used to because no, it's not like, hard my, my knives are pretty hard to sharpen mm -hmm. and you, like you can kind of get on them and work them yeah you can't get on these aus8 and all these no. knives coming out of china no i notice so you do a, a primary grind Free heat treat, right? Um, and you're so. He's talking about the main. Yeah, I just got the to main watch your process. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I was, I just really liked, uh, and I know we just switched topics again. Well, but, okay. But um, I, I really enjoyed that. I walked through your facility and I saw from start to finish. Every you're not outsourcing for water jet. I walked by your table. I saw the pieces on there. Um, then uh, you're not outsourcing for the cleanup on that. You're not outsourcing for the grinding on that. And you're not machining the grind. The, the, like, I, I watched your guys follow the profile of your knives the whole way making these things. And then you got your guy. What was the guy that? Does, Jason. Yeah. Um, he's doing the quality doing, control. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, plate quenching over there at the heat treat stadium. stadium That's hard. Paragons. Um, you got knives that are wrapped in stainless sleeves. You got. Um, they're not coming out with uh, oxidization on it. I know you do a light cleanup on it after that, but you only need to do a light cleanup. Yeah. Your process is really is brilliant. You, you have done a really great job of making your own thing here, and I'm really impressed. It's really exciting for me to see all of it, not just in America from a bunch of companies working together with possible parts from who knows where, but you're fucking making it right here yeah. with people that you probably trained right here oh, yeah. that you are know, from here. It's fascinating. It's uh, We have scaled up. A handmade folder yeah we did not make a production folder no you didn't go you know we're gonna try to make a 15 dollars knife here you're like no. we're gonna make a great knife and then we're gonna get people to buy it at the price that we need for it to be profitable so when i popped up on the scene everybody made fun of me and for about five years the retail market just absolutely viscerated me 
what as it turns out what i've done is i created space mm -hmm. because i i said hey i'm gonna do these videos let me show you yeah. what we do yeah and i was so transparent uh, just like i was with the tour you know yeah. we always found that when people do the tour, even people who like hate me, who yeah. get forced through a tour because they're yeah. with a friend or something, they, they have to like you. At the they end, they're respect like, respect you at least. At the end, they're like, okay, I yeah. was kind of pissed at you, but I get this now. Yeah. And and we were like, God, it's kind of transformative. Yeah. So how do we do a online version of transformative so people sure. can see this? And we did Medford University. Yeah. And what we find is when people see the whole process, they don't, you know, people don't know how many hammer strikes it takes. But no. let them go out and whack a little. Yeah. Well, let them go out and whack yep. a little, try and whack a little spike into something yeah. that looks cool. And, they, and then when they see a nice forged knife, they go, oh, my God, you wouldn't believe how much works in that. Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. Or they see a mirror polish, they go, oh, you wouldn't believe how much. Yeah. I filed for half an hour. Uh -huh. and it, it looked like dog turd. Yeah. So I'm, it's when people know what's required. They're willing to pay. They see the, the value. The value. When yep. they don't know, they think it just goes in the fucking machine that goes bing. Some guy pulls a lever and it tinks out the other side. Yeah. They just think, oh, knives should cost $35. Yeah. And I'm like, people don't understand. You saw my ASK knife, right? Yeah. The body I showed did. You? Yeah. That's cool, I, right? That is cool. Okay. That so is cool. That's the coolest thing I've yeah. ever done. Yeah. Like, I've flown all kinds of cool airplanes that you would like. Yeah. That. You have. Yeah. That is the coolest thing I've ever done by a long shot. <sighs> the engineering required, unbelievable. The effort to stabilize a process, um, it takes four minutes to put together one of those knives. No way. My typical knife takes an hour to put together. I, I um, tried to bend it a bunch, too, and it, it also doesn't bend. <laughs> it's And if it did... Oh, you mean like bend, bend? Mm -hmm. Oh, no. No, no, like, yeah. I was like... No, they're really tough. When 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 uh, when Bobby had his back turned it at his house, I was bending his knife. Uh, the... It didn't bend. Well, I, I loved it. It is like that's what I like about. I don't, are are you talking about this? Do people know about? Yeah, this? people Can know about it. It's okay. It? Yeah, yeah. Go right yeah. yeah, I love the ratio of the spine to the cutting edge and how you've brought that down and the way you've done it. Not only does it aesthetically look graceful, these are not ugly knives, um, and they are not so thick on the backside that they will obstruct use to get the geometry you did. Now, I didn't get to cut anything. I didn't get to play with them yet, and I really, really would like to. Um, I'm very excited to do that, but I can. See it, you can see performance um, after you've been in it for a while. You can get to know knives. I understand what you've got on there and what it will do, and that, I can't wait to tear That knife is a fucking baller. Like, yeah. nobody knows yet, but I've had, like, guys who own big knife companies yeah. call me up and go, hey, kid, we're looking at yeah. you, and we're fucking yeah. rooting for you, because we spent $6 million and we couldn't launch it. Let me ask this question i can put in two knives in that you can because you're modular yeah yeah you can put three in you i put three in you can put a one it'd be like a shorty and a longy and then okay a full. so we haven't done the shorties yet but yeah. we have four longies and we do a three you can do a dry decker a three a three level uh handle yeah and on the dry decker you can put three blades in it yeah oh that's when you put that's when you buy the extension extension kit, kit and, and you... you can do three layers instead of oh, two or shit. one. Yeah. So you can knock it down to one, you can up it, to you can uh -huh. leave it at two, or you can up it to three. Yeah, I can't decide which ones I would want to put in if I just had the two right now, right? Like if I took the just the single, what do you call the single setup? Just single. The single layer. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's just like the standard. The one. standard is the double layer. Yeah. So yeah. you got the you got the two layers. So I would I would think I would. I like I just like the knives, the little tools. I like the tools too, but I, I like to cut shit. So that's what I want. Oh wait, no, but I like bottle opener. Oh, the bottle opener. You'd be surprised. The bottle opener is an interesting story. Yeah. Everybody, th how many times have you used a bottle opener where it didn't work well and it annoyed you? Like you have to use it a couple times to kind of like work the top off of a bottle. 
Dude, I put bottle openers on everything and I make them and test them, so that doesn't happen to me that often. Well, not on yours, but, but like when you yeah. pick up commercially available bottle it openers, most me. of the time Any they don't work well. You know what pisses me off the most is when they take the glass with it. Oh yeah. I hate that. They made the jaw too open. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah too much, too much bubble. Yeah, fucking trash. Well, the one I did's going to get copied because that thing it, it is the well. best bottle opener I've ever used. And I gave it to a bartender. Why, why are we? Where are, where are our long necks? Let's pop. Let's pop a top right now. <laughs> That's a whole other podcast. That's fine. The pop a top the podcast. The pop a topper. The top yeah. of popper top. So you come out to Arizona Bring pretty regularly. Bring in a stack of knives and a stack of beer, and we'll go through it on a podcast one day. And we'll test. We'll test every single one and make sure they work. The, you know they do that with like on, on YouTube. They do like all these scissor competitions. Uh -huh. You know, like all the guys they use the multi tusers. Like, yeah. all right, all right. Today we're gonna cut through eight layers of paper. We'll see how far we can get until. And have you ever watched any of those? No. No, oh, there's they geek the fuck yeah. out on some little nuance, and I love it because yeah. like there's a thing to be like you learn stuff. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that's oh. interesting. They don't right. like this. They like that. And I'm thinking about tool development, right? Yeah. And I'm up against a 130-year company uh -huh. that, that does $3 billion a year, three times annual knife sales of yeah. the United States. It's yeah. a billion-dollar industry. Yeah. They do $3 billion yeah. I'm up against. Yeah. So they have all kinds of resources that I'm trying to battle just to yeah. launch a product. And that's why everybody's gotten their teeth handed to them. Yeah. Oh, let's make one of these, and we got to do it for $45. And I go, look, the materials mm. are $29. Mm-hmm. The materials. Mm -hmm. We haven't made it yet. Yeah. Yeah. It people yeah. just don't understand. Yeah. No, I can relate to that. We just talked about my story. Ooh, it's like twenty nine dollars yeah. out of forty. You got eleven left. Yeah. And uh you gonna you gonna feed how can't, many kids do you have? Can't feed your family no, off that. You can't keep these guys employed for that. Yeah, yeah. So I've had you know, I just had the uh I've had the audacity. I tell everybody, you know, no, I'm only going to do uh, stuff that's really profitable. I'm yeah. only going to do stuff you can make a living and put your kids through college to. And I'm not going to do your Chinese model if that's yeah. the thing. Would, can I talk to your American side or is this your Chinese side I'm talking to? Because if this is your Chinese side, we Go. shouldn't. Let's stop talking. And uh, that's a conversation, you know, it's kind of what I had with Smoky Mountain Knife Works yeah. because I don't have the same paradigm as yeah. the Chinese uh thing going on with them i don't talk to that person yeah because they don't get it yeah. I, I i you know i sell you know i'm selling bread i'm yeah. not selling heroin right you want yeah. heroin i'm doing bread yeah yeah <laughs> well and i i um i'm excited to hear that um and that uh smoky mountain has continued to have conversations and that they are going to keep working with and i know that they work with an, another other american made brands and they have some stuff that's sort of american made uh, yeah, but they, yeah they've got a blend and, and you know it's weird it's like uh there are a lot of traditional users traditional knife people and older knife folks who just think knives should cost 27 dollars. yeah because they're looking over the stern yeah not looking over the bow yeah i look over the bow i'm like yeah. hey listen what's more useful to you um of course your phone is more useful and you don't mind spending 1500 for that or a thousand dollars for that mm -hmm. you're going to use this every day it's a status piece for you yeah. It's kind of a definitive choice piece for you. Yeah. How much should it be? Yeah. What if your phone was $35? Would that be the one yeah. you want? Anybody would you buy it? Eh, eh, couldn't no. be good. Yeah. Okay, well, it's yeah. the same thing. That's the model I've been. So my um, my wife and I have been looking at, you know, because we we start with these, with, with babies. We start with people who have never held a hammer. And then, like, I want to do this. So you'll have a 16-year-old turn to their mom and dad, and they'll be like, can I do this? And they look at me, and they're like, we don't know what the fuck we're doing. So they'll write me, and I'll, I'll, I'll walk them through it. And what we try to do is I've been trying to source um, 
an, an anvil kit, a forge like kit, a package. A ha- yeah, uh, that competes with the price of a video game system. So we're talking the console controller yeah. um, game, whatever it takes for you to get that home and base play one fucking game. So you're in that sort of like six, eight hundred, maybe even nine hundred dollar range. If yep. you can get that anvil on a stand or it's a stake anvil that goes into a stump and they have to source their own stump and you got two hand two size hammers and one pair of tongs or three pair of tongs and a and a and a a forge that operates at least, you know, a s- four to six inch piece of bar stock because these people just they want to make a knife let them get out there let them fuck around uh let them get off the internet let them get off of games let them do something um uh you had said something earlier and um and i did want to talk about this because what i do is not just for that i also really like people right so i'm i can make high-end stuff and i can make really fancy swords and i do do that but i also really like people so for me part of this in the way that i go about it when you do an experience with me that's why you're so nice so, i'm a dick on the other end because i kind yeah. of don't want to see you but i won't be left alone out in my garage no, making stuff. I, I like them I, I i i uh get energy off of people and i'd like to share uh, my energy too and i would like to leave a positive stamp on the world i i designed for tobacco companies for four years and i still feel like i've got a oh uh, you have penance to make up uh, yeah i have a penance to make up <laughs> I, ki- I probably killed a lot of people oh my God. and um and i and i hate that because i really do like people so for me i want to see i want to see growth i want to see um i want to see a smile on somebody's face i want them to it to feel a sense of pride for something that they never thought they could do or that they always wanted to do or uh engage it in their life in a way that they haven't done before and the return on that uh, for us has been fantastic we get stories back from parents all the time um one of the most heart-wrenching ones we got was um uh, height of covid um we opened up in the lawn in frankenmuth michigan in a portable garage i bought a five thousand dollar shed we opened up in the yard and we ran experiences outside under a pop-up tent and uh, we had this uh 16 year old come through he didn't really talk at all the whole time but he did finally leave with a smile his mom wrote me this letter about this long her daughter died um i'm not sure if she died of covid or just complications whatever she died early in um 2020 and her son just stopped talking stopped interacting and she's like it was like we lost two children from losing one yeah and and we didn't know what to do so we just kind of threw him in the car and we're like we're not telling you where we're going we're gonna go do this thing and uh over over the next she's like he won't stop stop talking about it he talk, talks to everyone. He's come out. He's come back. We have a child back. Mm. Thank you for the this mm. gift that that we had this crushing blow that doubled, and now we've gotten some back. And um and and I helped them walk through the things that they needed to buy to get going. So he's actively engaged, and he has continued over the last year to to keep forging and keep producing and keep making. Um, and uh, we also have a lot of people who come in who are like, hey, my kid was depressed or I've been depressed or this and now I want to do this. And they get active and they get involved. And, and you make when you make something and you look at something that you made, it's really hard to be down on yourself. I mean, you'll critique it. You'll want to make it better. But that's part of that process, yeah. right? That gives you something to think about that is other than your problems and your issues. Now you're solving. You're moving. You're looking over the bow to tomorrow. I'm excited about fixing this about my problem process i can't wait to try it i can't wait to make this grind better i can't wait to forge this in fewer strokes i can't wait till my arm doesn't feel like a goddamn balloon every time i use it are you a religious guy 
Um, I don't like to go on the books for it too much, but yeah. So I think, uh, and what I've connected with, and I think, you know, I say I don't like people. I really do like yeah. people, but I don't suffer fools kindly, and I'm so busy I don't have time yeah. for bullshit. Yeah. So real authentic people, I get, they get all the fucking time in the yeah. world with me. Yeah. People that are full of shit, I go, hey, you're yeah. kind of full of shit, so when you get yeah. your big boy pants on, come back, come and I'll back. give you any time you want. Um. I love seeing the transformation of my team. Yeah. I love seeing these guys come in. Yeah. Been in roofing. They've been laborers and they yep. become craftsmen. And yes. And I talk about the difference between working and being a craftsman. Yeah. And I say in ancient times, the craftsman was closest to the king. Yeah. Because we could do stuff for They're the king. Basically the, king the most valuable. Yep. Aside from yep. the, the raw resources, it's a human resource that you you just can't we were the that. crafty ones who came up the way to carry stones up the pyramids we yeah. were the crafty ones who came up with armor we developed the i-beam on which the modern world is built yeah. you know we came up with that for swords yeah. and for knives yeah. and for battle yep. and it was craftiness yeah and craftsmanship yeah and that starts that that's a mental thing right it, that's a that's something that's deep inside you or in your head and if we're not exercising that if we're not working with it if we're not using it if we're not learning how to solve problems and we're just answering regurgitated information i don't i shouldn't get into the educational system but i might have just dropped that dropped over that line then you're not creating people who can do that and we we have to this country really does have to get back to that so that places like this that can exist so that we can reduce dependency um internationally here's here's what's great about it um it's an eternal truth and the ancients wrote about it in the old testament yeah the creation act and the reason it's the beginning is a primal thing that we connect to yeah and when people touch the creation act yeah the uh when they reach into hephaestus the the mythology of hephaestus they come out I, I tell people, I say, well, hey, when you make stuff, you be closer to the gods. Yeah. And they go, fuck what? are you talking about? And yeah. I'm like, just what have you, have you made anything have lately? Made or anything? are you just... And at the end of the day, you turn a thing off, your desk looks like it started, everything. What'd you do? You helped a bunch of people do some shit good for you. Yeah. Make something. Yeah. There is something deeply gratifying, and I think it's a little holy. Yeah. I think it is holy to make yeah. things. It is holy to teach. Yeah. It is holy to see humans find themselves. Yeah. yeah. And we are mostly lost. Yeah. Look yeah. around. Absolutely. Look yep. around. Everybody's yeah. lost. Yeah. Why do you think COVID turned into such a thing? Yeah. Because people are so lost. Yeah. You could tell them bullshit. Yeah. They'll lock their kids up. Yeah. Yeah. If it shows on one of the main three news channels and it's that's I would never believe that. Yeah. yeah. You know, that only ha- can happen devoid of rationality yeah. by people who are ungrounded because yeah. the more grounded you are the less afraid you are yeah. Yeah. um so i've been a i'm a huge advocate i love what you're doing i love that you are not having people stand on the other side of the rope yeah i love that you've broken the barrier yeah. and they get to step in because the creation act changes people at their core yeah they don't even know it and it changes what they it changes everything yeah and yeah. i think when people get in touch with their core um, I think it's the infectious part of freedom yeah. because freedom is our natural state. Yeah, but it is not natural no. on Earth. Yeah, and you can be you can be beaten out of that. Mm-hmm. Like you, you can literally be tricked and manipulated out of your freedom. And and this is stuff you you see in the the Bible as well. I love the the, the Old Testament ones with uh with the the meal and the food. What are the two brothers where he's like, I'll trade I'll trade my inheritance 
for a bowl of food, like the short-sightedness mm -hmm. of that whole thing. Right. We can be tempted by what serves us the best now, and if we lose the bow sight, you're totally fucked. You're totally I, fucked. You'll you'll lose the important thing that that's maybe not in front of your face that you can't see anymore, and it's it's terrible. It's you know, terrible if you think about it in knife making, knife making is kind of an allegory of human of, of life. Um, a knife can turn out really well if you're really thinking ahead. Yeah. If you're just standing in the moment responding, yeah. you get lost, and you're like, oh fuck, I got to start over. I fucked yeah. up. It's the same thing. I I always tell people, you know, people ask me, "Hey, what's the secret to your success? Hey, what's the secret? What do you attribute? What do you attribute it? Why do you think?" Da, 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 da. And I go, "Well, I'm lucky." Yeah. And the and the sh more short sighted you are, the yeah. luckier I seem. Uh huh. But the truth is, I get the same amount of luck that everybody else does. Yeah. But I also a lot of stuff that comes to fruition. I started working on it three yeah, years you've been, ago. You've been it looks thinking, like I just planning, got lucky. Dreaming and scheming. Yeah, sure. And, Absolutely. And, you know, it's like you hear bands, bands hit it big and they yeah. go, God, you just got lucky. You made it big. And they go, well, we got yeah. lucky. We've been playing for 22 yeah. years in bars. Right. And, yeah. and we just finally got lucky. Yeah. You're right. We got yeah. lucky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a, there's absolutely a ratio of work to, uh, effort to planning to, to making it happen. Um, and if you ever, if you, and just like if you ever make anything, if you ever try to make a business, you find that out. Like that's a reality that smacks you in the face every day. Yeah. Um, and and that's uh, it's one of the things I try to impress upon my crew. And one of the things I'll be talking when I get back to them is the importance of, and, and, and I'm sure that you could uh, reiterate this, but the importance of everyone back there in the shop, as long as they're doing their stuff, right? They're trained, they're doing, they can, they can move it forward. You can move the business forward. You can grow this place. You can create a better future for everyone here when you can continue to do that. Yeah. And if you can't do that, this all crumbles and 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 it and it stagnates because even if you stay exactly the same, like if you're profitable now and you stay the same, the rest of the world moves. Right. So at some point, like you consider between 1970 or 1980 and now a 40% increase in life expenses, but a, a lot of the uh, a lot of the income levels haven't changed. I mean, just in that time period or even 10 years of that, 10% of that, a 10% increase and you've stayed the same, you're fucked. Right. I, and I, you know, I was just funny. I, we had a production meeting a couple of days ago. I said, Hey, you guys kind of scheduled me off the last year and I kind of let you, but you have to schedule me back on. I need yeah. five Greg times. And they're yeah. like, what do you mean Greg times? I go that I get a machine for whatever the yeah. fuck I want yeah. for a month. I need five of those. And yeah. they're like, what are you going to do? I'm like, new shit. Make something. I don't know. And Develop, they're like, yeah. well, what are you going to need to make new stuff? What stuff? Yeah. I go, I don't know yet, yeah. but it's the future of the company yeah. because we have to keep moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. I don't go anywhere without um, a sketchbook. Um, it's in your, it's, it's right in your parking lot right now. My, <laughs> my documentable brains there and I'll put, I'll put anything in there. You know, that's a, I, I came up with this concept on a flight back from Forged in Fire. I'm like, I want a knife in my hands, but I hate shit in my pockets. I got a, I got this big ass phone I got to carry around because of wherever society's gone. I got a wallet in this one that starts to fill up and I hate having this in here. I don't have room for a fucking knife or anything Plus, right now. Plus you fucking work corduroys, man. Dude, and that is, uh, that is oh, retro like, as shit, man. I am man. super committed to my cords. I love cords. <laughs> I just want to take a moment. Do you have a to brown pair? The, the Wrangler, no. What I wear, I wear uh, olive drab and I wear tan. <laughs> Like could. mustard yellow. Fucking fantastic. I fucking love those pants. Those are my two favorite pants color. In fact, I actually came in in an Axe Wax shirt that's mustard yellow. Axe Wax. Dude, have, can I drop? Can I? Yes. Axe Wax. Get some fucking Axe Wax. Put it in your beard. Put it on your leather. Put it on your knives. 
Put it where the friction is between your legs. I don't care what you do with it, but that shit is good. It's food safe. Um, but yeah, I love that brand. They're very good. We sell a lot of that. Um, in fact, when you do- Wait a minute. Do they make your pants? Is that what you're saying? No. But oh. they, they make, the, I wear the same color pants as their shirt, their branding. Okay. Right? And I sell their product at our shop. So if you do so an if you need ass, you upgrade. Guys, Josh yeah. A. Weston, not the gay porn show that died of ads, but he does have ass wax available. <laughs> Ass if wax. you need ass wax oh ax oh, i'm ax. sorry yeah as in Shit. ask me a question for those of you who are from the city yeah but we should probably come up with an offshoot called ass wax because if, guess, if it's any chafing process everywhere when you're forging especially when you're at these tight corduroys so uh it's funny i had this friend cliff murphy who is from he lives from up on the susquehanna uh -huh. in uh pennsylvania and uh he wore brown corduroys. That was uh -huh. his thing, you know, yeah. went, went with his pipe. Yeah. Um, Pennsylvania was such a fun place to spend. Dude. And I thought the guys from Pennsylvania were yeah. quirky as fuck. They are so, weird. Almost Southerners, uh, but with kind of a Northeastern education. Yeah. So I spent some time in Tennessee a couple years ago. And I even noticed they say that they, they, they speak a lot. The thing is, like, Appalachia goes from Georgia up to Maine. So that culture doesn't shift a whole lot yep there's some there's a lot of weird people along that whole route with slight variations so the pennsylvania guys were fun i had a group of dudes and we used to do these um um uh, write an album we had to we had to write and play and sing an album in a day Ooh. oh so dude i'm down oh the, i love this so the All competition right. was exciting. you know your album had to have let's say a minimum of eight eight songs sure and some guys would come in with 12 songs, but uh -huh. you had a minimum of eight songs. And uh, we would we would sit down with a four track recorder and you'd record the whole record and then, the, then, then bring it over to the next guy's room and he would record it. And then we would all listen to each other's albums. Dude, that is fun. Yeah, it was great fun. Like just kind of creative on all yeah. cylinders, you know, uh, musically and uh, yeah. vocabulary wise, yeah. you know, lyrically. Yeah. And then yeah. to put it all together and then we were still we were still all album guys because yeah. i'm at that age where we were all cut our teeth on albums yeah. that kind of told a story uh -huh. so we were having these songs were all related to one another and mm -hmm. there was a theme Thematic. that on the last song yeah. got you there yeah. you know where is all this stuff you know it's just you gotta gone. dig it it's out it's just gone no you it's, dig it it's out. nowhere it's nowhere it was all on little tape oh, right God. and then we left tapes you couldn't even play a tape if you had one now i can play a tape i keep a tape player no you yes, don't I you're do. one of those yeah I have of course a tape you player, are you yeah. use a forge yeah i have you a tape player take a mule I to work yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's in a car still that i keep running so that i can have a tape player perfect yeah no actually i so i grew up in a really conservative household um uh baptist uh I oh geez up, yeah a uh, baptist pennsylvanian baptist, baptist pennsylvanian uh not southern baptist but you know northern baptist mm -hmm. yeah uh so very strict and uh we were not allowed to listen to secular music so i peeled up a floorboard underneath my bed and i buried a radio down there and i could turn the volume and back then you could record the radio on cassette so i would run hours of recording and i, I thought i was being awesome listening to the Did you uh, keep all of it uh no i it all got thrown out See, when I there you out. go yeah, that's what I, happened I, I can't, yeah i think i might actually have one tape because my sister kept one and years later she gave me a box of uh pictures because um there were three of us born all we're all within a year apart like i'm a day before my oldest brother's first birthday and my sister's a year and a quarter so my mom was real busy for a few years together in that batch um and uh so 
uh, we were in the same grade. So, uh, you know, and I drove back to school. I had my license and she didn't need it. So, but um, I was recording the oldie station, you know, because what the fuck did I know? I didn't know anything but hymns and, and choruses. Right. You so know? the oldies was cutting edge yeah, stuff. The oldies was cutting edge. So, so you're talking about like 50s doo wop? Dude, I, yeah, oh yeah. Dude, my, my daughter, my daughter loves that stuff. Beach, well, I love the Beach Boys, which means that, um, and, and that was my intro to surf music. And I found out that they weren't real surf music nope. eventually. And nope. I was crushed. Nope. And I they found were, the Dick Dale. Yep. Uh, the Dick Dale and, um, uh, and Dick Dale's famous for the wailing guitar. The, yeah. uh, uh, the king yeah, the, of the surf guitar. You guys know, you guys know, yeah. not twangy, but yeah. yeah. And I like um, Eddie, um, whatever. He His stuff was like cross western to whatever but then you know i eventually get into um more modern stuff like the amino acids um and when i was living in detroit and i got introduced to meat puppets oh yeah yeah fucking great great so funny um, uh you fucking pennsylvania guys are quirky as fuck my buddy yeah. so cliff he wrote i remember this one so i got sasquatch from the susquehanna <laughs> that was his song <laughs> Sasquatch on the sex. So when you have a day to record an album, oh, you yeah. get some weird shit. You get shit. weird shit because yeah. you don't have time to think about it. Right, right. You'd be talking about yeah. your, like a whole song about your sneakers. Mm-hmm. And and it turns out some of them are super funny. And 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 then, you know, we see each other a year later. We're still like him humming that thing about sneakers, I, uh, you know. I have a IGT video on my Instagram where I got stuck in my camper in the winter last year in Michigan. And it was fucking cold. I had run out of propane. So all I had was a little electric heater, but it wasn't on all night. And um, and I was freezing, and I had my guitar, and I wrote this little song about. Um, it's it's more of like a bop, and uh, it's just about being stuck in your camper, and Santa's coming, but you can't get out to get gifts, and you can't get gifts in, and and so what the fuck are you gonna do uh, for Christmas? And um, it was really shitty because I'm not very good. Uh, but one of my friends, Jordan Lamott in New England, uh, he's absolutely amazing um made master smith this last year but he did a a cover of it in appalachia style which was really cool to see that transition that somebody took my crazy weird shit and redid it but it's a song about nothing you know i'm stuck in a camper literally was stuck in a camper writing a song about being stuck in a camper you know what we should do is if we get a few knife makers together we could all kind of zoom this and what we do is we'll draw uh in the pit we do like a while it's quiet one day well, we could it's never quiet. We could it, draw. It we is. could draw for topics. Yeah, because that's oh. the way you keep it, so nobody banks up oh, their songs. Sort of like a Pictionary. Yes. For, for so, like shitty song. Yeah. Makers. So so I would say, all right, Cliff, you're writing about the river, the Susquehanna, yeah. and then his whole album is about it's the about Susquehanna, yeah. the twists and turns of life. You know. So uh, we we'd have to pick topics yeah. for each other. That makes it totally fun, yeah. and you can't bank up songs because guys would no. be like, oh, I'm making, I'm gonna bank up some songs for. Next, I, next album competition. I wouldn't have that. I don't think I'd be able to bank up songs, but I could probably have one done by Blade Show. I would. I, you want to do a song off between now and Blade Show? We'll yeah. release it at Blade in the Pit. Oh my God! You mean like we'll play it in yeah, front of everybody? Fuck yeah, we'll bring it. We'll bring it. We'll bring a thing, a music thingy, and I'm terrible. So you're gonna be like a, a guitar. You mean a guitar thing? A, yeah, g- a strumming, a strum, strum yeah. a doohickey. Yeah, because I can only play three chords on my banjo right now, still. So. Oh, you're you're really going I'm full. Really, I you're going want to full go hillbilly. I want to go full hillbilly. I've got a banjo, and I'm telling you, it, it's yeah. it, I get laid every time I play it. My wife's like, he's got the banjo out. Oh yeah. shit! I didn't even think of she that. She loves it. That's a possibility. Yeah. So all it took is three chords. That's why I haven't I haven't had to learn anymore because she's right on. Because you only get twelve minutes into practice. Do and she's like, bedroom doors open, clothes are like 
flying Fucking out prices. the thing, and I'm like, okay, I gotta go. Gotta uh, go. You know, my first guitar I bought was in Lancaster, PA. Yeah, I, I'm. Uh, I, you know, Pennsylvania's got great guitars. Yeah, and um, um, great luthiers there. Yeah, there's just that with the Pennsylvania Dutch and the hand making and the woodworking. That there's a lot yeah. of great woodworkers yeah. out of Pennsylvania. Yeah, and then we've got Martin Guitars there, right? They're in Pennsylvania, right? And yeah. uh um yeah, so and and then hey where's Gil, where's there... Guild made? Do you know where Guild is made? Are they in PA also? Did they move? Um I bought a Guild Songbird and a Martin like a Martin D eighteen or something, uh, you know, right out of the gate when I was in college, going through the breakup. Yeah. <laughs> oh <laughs> 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 getting getting chords to match my my whimper. <laughs> Well, uh, pleasure. Uh, so had you heard of us before you came in today? Uh, yeah, actually, I I mostly heard about you because you guys have had. Didn't you have some Instagram, some social media issues, and some our, like our that? Instagram page got stolen? Yeah, I mean so it's gone. I, so I recently, <laughs> and I I think I followed that, but like I never saw anything it's, for a while. It's just gone. And then all of a sudden, I saw a post about how you were back and like fuck over that other account and whatever. And I'm like, shit, I thought i was still following them but yeah yeah no so i am refollowing. and i like went through and i'm like 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 you it, know it's crazy um we we the, the guy fished us somehow so here's what i think we were going through to get that blue check mark yeah. so that you're an authorized or a certified yeah. or whatever the hell they call it authenticated or whatever um and we, so we did the application for that and it's been an ongoing thing for a couple months yeah. and it's hard to get the certification so we started getting phishing emails about being certified. So somebody there is backdooring the information to spammers. Huh. And they're like, hey, these are the people that are applying. And then they send you. So not potentially an above the board accountability I think process. It's, I think it's, it's Instagram. Scam. I think it's straight up Instagram. Huh. Instagram has, you know, they have, they're a huge company. Yeah. You know, it's uh, mega or meta or stupid. Yeah. <laughs> So stupid. Insta, so, insta fuck. Yeah. Uh, face fuck. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I, they, I don't like the Facebook part of it so much. You know. Well, it's the same it's company. It's the same company. And so and they're launching no... the metaverse now too. So people don't. F. They, they're gonna. They, it's a battle, right? We're in a battle between people engaging in their life with their physical fucking hands and mind and like being present in the world that we live in. And people or tickling their total, amygdala or total escapism. You might as well just be doing the fucking heroin. Yep. It's exactly heroin. Yeah, um, heroin for and the so, mind. You so they've got all this money, and and so look at Google. Google is is a, a spooky monolith. Yeah, yeah. But they take the money and invest it back into customer service. Yeah. So you keep using them. Yeah, you don't. Because you don't hate Google. You they're like. Do I trust them? No. I don't know because they got all my shit, but you know what they haven't done yet? They haven't fucked me over, really. Same as, and, same and as Apple. Giving me a, they keep giving me more storage space. Same so I'll as, keep... I'll, yeah. So like, same as the iPhone. Yeah. Like, I, I don't trust either one of those companies, but yeah. I do business with them because yeah. their customer experience is so good. You know, mm -hmm. that's a lesson yeah. to be learned. It almost yeah. doesn't matter what you're doing if you take care of your customer. Yeah. Because yeah. I think they're fucking us, but they take care of us. Yeah. I'm like, well, okay, yeah. I'll take a fucking. Yeah. Um, Instagram... They're fucking you, and they're not taking they're, care of you. Yeah, yeah. Facebook, too. Yeah, I noticed in the last couple of years, you used to be able to... Yeah, we're knife makers, so we've probably, at some point, not been allowed to promote our shit or really talk about yeah, it. Yeah, like 100% of the yeah, time. Uh, you get that message, and every time you try it, they're like, no, 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 you're, you're, you're banned, and we're about to kick you off if you try this again. Yep. And there used to be a process 
on on Facebook and Instagram where you could speak to a appeal representative it. and you could appeal the process. Um, and at one point, I was even able to talk to somebody, and then it moved to like this um, this message back and forth, and that kind of work. And now it's 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 all bots. It was all bots for a little bit, and now on Instagram, Facebook, there's still some of that, but on Instagram. There's not even a fucking button anymore. Nope. You can't really appeal. It's nope. like this button, and, and it's like, yeah, well, like, man, I don't know. So, You're probably so, never going to hear back from us. So, so we have built this property, and we've put all of this yeah. content and on it. And you fucking invest. It's a time investment. Yes. It's a physical investment. We've it's a creative invested. investment. You know, it's UGC. It's user-generated yeah. content. We're the user, and we have yeah. generated the content, and it has 50,000 people engaged yeah. pretty every yeah. day. Yeah. And... All of a sudden, that hunk of real estate we made has stolen, and it's stolen because somebody in their system leaked it to their contact in Turkey. Yeah. So they could send a perfectly matched email to fish us. Yeah. Somebody here got fished. It might have even been me. And I'm 12 years in, pretty savvy. Yeah. Super protective of my info. Yeah. Somebody got such private info about me, it had to be Instagram. Yeah. So they wanted... 2500 bucks. Yeah. And I negotiated with him back and forth and I gave him some money uh -huh. in cryptocurrency. Yeah. And they said they didn't get paid. Oh, yeah. Oh, and they, they got paid. Oh, yeah. I copied their blockchain. I did hose. the process. Shit. So then they asked for the money again. I said, hey, I got you paid. You know, I already paid you. Here's yeah. the proof. They said, oh, our bank rejected the payment. I said, well, I don't have a refund. Yeah. So when I get a refund, I'll let you know. Mm -hmm. No refund. Um, And so I was, uh, I was flying some little airline over to uh, L.A., and I'm sitting on the airplane with a bunch of ballers, and the one of the guys, like famous internet dude, and he's like, "Oh, talk to my guy." He ran, he hijacked my site, and I just got Munchausen syndrome and became friends with him. So I got a Turkish hacker, and I paid him money, and he's six days into what he said would take him three days. Hmm. I mean, it is a fucking yeah. racket, and I want my goddamn site back. Yeah, yeah. but but I, honestly, I don't know if it matters anymore. Yeah. So I'll give you an example. So we. We bought Medford Knife official. Oh, we didn't buy. We we reserved Medford Knife official and started up our new page. Yeah, we got like 1,200, 1,300 yeah. people real quick, and then very slow. Yeah, and I said, you know, I turned to Bobby and I go, eh, this one might be with the real. This is the real story. Yeah, Instagram's not doing what they say, uh -uh. and it's not doing what you think. No, and those fifty thousand people, they're not paying attention. Yeah, or they'd all be jumping over here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the things I've also noticed is they do this. Um, it's a minor release. They don't. They don't push it. They don't talk about it much. Uh, it, it generally gets minor published on their dev page. So, so all of these sites have um, devs that work for them, and they put releases and changes and things like that, and their stuff buried in it. And I, I used to work in this world, so mm -hmm. I, I'm familiar with enough of this shit. And um, and and then what they do is uh, their main influencer influencers get and understand these changes first and what they try to do is they sell tips and tricks to be able to use the system in the new shit so if you aren't using the new thing and, and uh, i think it was like six months ago they sent out a new release you know because uh instagram used to just be a, a feed with pictures and then it was like you could have three pictures or five pictures and then they you had video that you could add on your thing and then they're like well the videos people want to do their videos we'll do this igtv thing and then they did uh stories because they because uh Snapchat came out and now Reels because of TikTok. So they're they're ever stealing 
other people's ideas implemented into their flow. And if you aren't using the latest thing, like if you got used to doing the feed post, but you never adopted to videos and then you never went to IGTV and now it's stickers. So they've, they've changed this thing and there's a sticker usage that you can use. And if you aren't applying the stickers to your stories and also your reels, which you got to concentrate on reels found. more than IGTV, they're not going to push it. Now, also the way that you use hashtags affects this as well. So you feel the effects of what shadow bands. So let's say, so for me, I'm a forge and fire person. So I used to tag everything with hashtag Josh A. Weston so that I could follow that tag and people could look at everything with my name on it and then hashtag forged and fire because that's got a big audience. Um, one of the things they did in this latest release is if you use a frequent hashtag, they, you they will get dropped. Yeah, you're, you're going way fucking down. So you can't use in like a 30, 60 day period. If you use a hashtag more than three times, your account is going to get notched lower and lower. Yeah. Um, and, and it's done. I can understand how they want people to get a little bit more creative. Otherwise, hashtags get super bloated and then content gets lost when, you know, there's 1.2 million hashtags out there for the word, you know, soup or probably billions for that. Right, right. Um, so they have to shake it up and get people creative with that word choices as well. But they, they do report some of this shit out there, but they bury it under layers of, and then it's like you get, then they serve you this ad of, oh, hey, I'm business owner, blah, 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 and I have this success and I've grown all these social media accounts and if you pay to take my course, I'll let you know how to use the latest Instagram sit. So once again, even if it isn't, that's not total back-endy, it's still a taking advantage of and making sure that there are stop gaps for making money along the way and it's convoluted and it's not what we're sold on as users as how we're going to be able to use the software and what we expect i'm you know i think you know i think a lot of life is momentum mm -hmm. and i think they've lost their momentum yeah so i actually think instagram is still functioning because facebook is so dead yeah and i think instagram is a corpse and it doesn't know yeah. it quite yet yeah i think he may know it their stock sure says it yeah if you look at the stock yeah. valuation yeah uh, the market the street does not believe in them anymore yeah, yeah. um and i think what's going to happen is this very diffuse a multiple platform kind of reality yeah. where nobody can shut yeah. you down because i think we're all tired of being in a pigeon pigeonholed yeah and, and reliant i don't think we'll let an uh, instagram happen again yeah I, I think um there's so many coming out now that it, it i know we're going i'm sorry that we're talking so long i'm not sorry actually i really like talking so i'm gonna keep talking with you but um uh, i know you tried to wrap it up so i no i didn't try to wrap it up at all man. oh no okay cool sweet um one of the things I find interesting with with that whole shit is now as these new things like TikTok pops out, has a boom, and TikTok's already cratered. They're curved down too. Right. Um and 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 you said customer service. This is a big word. We we've forgotten customer service um and that's the thing that tiktok did is like oh wait a second all of a sudden we have to be it was the wild west at first you could post whatever the fuck you wanted on tiktok um and now they're reining it in and they're going after various knife makers and anyone who doesn't hold up to their political ideation is going to get blocked or banned and i, I got it just worked for me this weekend he had three hundred thousand followers on tiktok Lost all of his, they're like, you're a, you're a weapons maker. You're out. He lost all his videos, all his content, which was there because with TikTok, you can either choose to download it or just go to the thing. And he was just going to the thing. Why would you not trust it? Why would you not be there? You created an account. 
you're doing a thing. A lot of these knives weren't listed in the weapons ban. Just until recently, I actually found out uh, Instagram and Facebook added non-culinary knives is now so so you can promote and push culinary. So you know what you need to come up with? Flipful pocket yeah. pocket chef's knife. You know pocket chef's knife. Promote I'm just, the shit out of that. I'm just not gonna do their dance. Yeah. yeah. So I'm I'm you know, we uh I got this second guy that I've given some money to and he's not extorting me. Yeah. So I'll see if he can come through for me. I hope but it works out. These guys they're just stealing property. Yeah. And then they're like, hey, I'm not a bad guy. This is just what I do for a living. And I'm like, hey, motherfucker, um, Allah is waiting for you. You're a thieving motherfucker. Yeah. Yeah. No virgin. I'm like, how much money do you need, you motherfucker? Um, it, it's, it, and you know, the problem is this would all be solvable. I could solve the stealing of Instagram websites in a week with a 10-man crew paid for by Instagram. A 10-man crew, we could solve this. I wouldn't kill anybody. Yeah. I would come up with a simple form for verifying yourself. Yeah. We, here's the problem. They stole our, they, they went in yeah. and they changed the email. Yeah. So we can't even, there's nothing yeah. we can do. So they won't even revert back to the old email because you have to go in and verify who you are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, and you can't without it. I, and then that's why two factor verifications come up with phones and, and the companies that are using it. And if you aren't applying two factor verification when it exists so that you get a ping on your phone, it was the only get account, an account and do it. It was the only account we didn't have it on. Yeah. And you know why we didn't have it? Because, because they were because sending me emails have, all the yeah. times asking me to do it, and I could never tell, tell which, which ones, ones were real. real. Yeah. And I was like, Yeah, uh, it's a fucking racket. And then you go to do it, and they send you emails and ask your information. I'm like, Oh, I don't want to give out my information. That's why we didn't have two-factor authentication. Yeah. I'm just yeah. like. Yeah. I uh, When something comes through my email or, or a text message from somewhere, and it sort of sounds like the name of something but isn't, I'm like, oh, I don't even want to touch it. I don't want to click on it to delete it. If you I know, touch it, what's going to happen? Stuff that looks serious now. Yeah, I just delete it because yeah. I'm like, look, if I owe somebody money, they'll fucking call me. Uh -huh. I'm like, I'm not doing yeah. anything. Yeah, they have my real contact yeah. information, yeah. not the email I give everyone for junk shit. But Instagram contacts you through Instagram. Yeah. And so and, they got me. Yeah. And I was like, there's no way to fix it. Yeah. I did the facial recognition thing. Well, when they lock you out of your account because someone steals your account, you can't reach out to them from your account. Right. And they want you to reach out from your account to verify. I'm like. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Did you guys even think through this process? Because yeah. I think, I think they're in on it. Yeah, they I gotta think, make money somehow. I think they're making money on it. Yeah. I actually think they're selling the leads. That, that's what the weird thing was with both um, Facebook and Instagram on launches. There was an ad, was an ad space because if you remember, the predecessor was MySpace, which was fucking buried in ads. It was it, you, you opened it up, is it ads everywhere, and mm -hmm. then some shit. Yeah. And then Facebook came out, and Facebook was this sort of refreshing um, thing for college kids, really, that um, that they could go in and communicate with other people at their school. And there wasn't any of that ad bullshit. And it was just like, you know, you talk to your friends and that kind of like, uh, that was great. That grew up a little bit more as people that, that generation started getting out of college and heading into adult life. And then they launched fucking games. And then all the 45 year old housewives and 55 year old housewives. That was a target audience. It's, it's the heyday it's of that. I actually now. made so many fucking Facebook games for people like Schick Razor Blades and um, Burt's Bees and stuff like uh, that. Yeah. It's it's turned into an older people thing now, mm -hmm. which means that's yeah. right before it dies. That's yep, what right happens. Before it dies. Yeah. So I actually think Facebook is 100% dead right now. 
And I still think there's some revenue being made just because yeah. there's so many people there. Yeah. I think Instagram is a is yeah. a one foot in the grave, and it may be yeah. fully just standing in the grave yelling right now. Yeah. And they know that. That's why the that's why the metaverse is launching. And I think that's why they don't even care that much because they're going to launch this new thing. And um, uh, but here's the thing: I don't think anybody's getting on it. I don't know. I know I'm not getting on it because I'm going to be working uh, in my garage. Yeah, and I'm gonna be forging knives with people. So, and I know I'm not getting on it because their last platform screwed me over. Yeah. So, what the fuck do I want to do with it? Yeah, and I don't want anything called metaverse. Yeah, have you guys played with TikTok? I've started to play with it. I I, I won't do anything I, with TikTok. I, it's I Chinese. Like, yeah, yeah. I won't do anything with them. I fought it for a while, and I kind of was like, eh, I don't know what I'm gonna do. But there's so many cosplayers on it. So for me, you know, like the Dragon Forge experience and all that jazz, it's like. Where am I going to go without Instagram? What, what do I do? Well, that's I can't the... fucking buy ads anywhere. So here's I can buy I... Google ads still. They don't care. They don't give a fuck. But Google's changed too. Google ads aren't the same as they were. They they You promote and you pay for a push on your business profile. It's all about page ranking. Well, you know, what I'm doing is I'm, uh, I'm, I've built a – we're putting our content on our pages organically. So yeah. on for my ASK knife and for my Med for Knife page – we have a blog page there yeah. and that's where we're putting all our social media now. Yeah. And then we're using everything else to direct. Yeah. Go to our yeah. page. Yeah. Go to our page. Um, not to talk sort of, I mean, they're fixed blades, so it doesn't that's matter. Okay. But Mon Montana knife company, if you look at what they've done recently with theirs and the growth that, um, that Josh Smith and, and them have had over the last year or so is it's another phenomenal American, um, success story in knives. And you know how they have to do it? Have to do it all organically as well. Yeah. You know, uh, That's I've what never I've... had a successful paid promotion. Everything's been gone. So everything I've been able to grow for has been fighting tooth and nail to maintain it. And yep. I've fucking plat plateaued. You know, you grow yep. 20,000 followers in five years and you fucking die out. And you're like, what the hell? I mean, uh, my wife, my my marketing guy's like, what the hell is going on? How do we? He's always like, how do we get you more famous? I'm like, you don't just, I don't know. Like, like let, let's let's work on the business. And then I, I'm too busy right now. I think work on the business is the answer. Answer. Uh, you yeah. know, we're we are sold out the rest of this year and most of, of next year. Yeah. Just completely sold yeah. out. Like I could shut off the front of the building. Yeah. Um now don't. No. <laughs> but you know, so what we're doing is I'm doing creative yeah. art content. Yeah. Like, Let's throw the money yeah. into art. Yeah. Let's do interesting stuff. So yeah. people are like, God, you know, Medford's always got a cool yeah. new look, new I interesting stuff. I do think stuff that's gonna pay off for you. I, I think so I, too. I absolutely applaud that. That makes me really excited about your company and that layer. It's fun. If it doesn't have art laced in for me um i'm a lot less interested well and you know at the end of the day um people spend lots of money on things where there's a story to be story. told yep they want exactly. to connect with people and they want to tell a story yep. which is why those social media things will never actually survive yeah they won't for the long run because for the long run humans want the story yeah you know i don't connect with any of those little 10 second videos now I'll, i gotta tell you my one of my guilty pleasures is to get on instagram Let's say I want to watch hot chicks jumping up in the air and changing clothes. Uh -huh. I can do that for half yeah. an hour. I'm like, yeah. that's crazy. Boom. Or Boom. let's say I want to watch guys restoring Louis Vuitton handbags. I've got, yeah. I've geeked Dude, out. On, I watch that all I the time. I can't stop watching them. Like yeah. I wa my son and I, we've it's been watching. Amazing. I want to make one. I, I want to make a pair of shoes. Oh my God. Now. I so, got out in a, suit, oh, a shoe thing. Oh my God. My son and I, we just watched, we were up till two o'clock in the morning this weekend. We were watching them restoring or making Oxfords. Yeah. This guy in Japan, yep. hand making Oxfords. Yeah. yeah. The whole process, the sky, the, uh, uh, the skiving down of the edges yeah. and rolling them back over and hand stitching them. I mean, we were fucking, yeah. you know, this is my kids into video games, right? Yeah. We were geeked fuck yeah. out on it yeah 
So when we get off here, I'm going to show you uh, okay. some bags that I'm I'm yeah. getting ready to make. Uh -huh, uh -huh, I'll, I'll show you the beginning uh -huh, uh -huh. of them. Uh -huh. Did and you also girls changing clothes while jumping up and down? I mean, it's the variety of what yeah, you can see is ridiculous. That would be great. Oh no! Sometimes I just like to watch them just dancing. Um, you know where they do like a movie quote? Yeah. I don't know even know what they're like. I like to thank everybody. Let's start with myself, and then it's like some rap music, and it's uh -huh. some smoking hot chick. I mean, I think those are kind of funny. Yeah. So I, I can sit there. I'm like, okay, that's good, that's good, that's good, and they'll feed me a bunch yeah. of those, and then I switch over to a sh shoe restoration yeah. and purse. I love yeah. purse restoration. I I'll tell you another weird one for me, um, and I got onto this because um, spring of 2020, I was paid by a um, a medical. I don't know. It's it's a pharma company that puts software out. And they shipped like 10 old fax machines to me because they made software that replaces a fax machine. And they're like, make shit out of them. So I took them apart and I was making these things and I was rewiring and I was pulling the LED bulbs and making characters and robots and Star Wars looking spaceships and uh, front end loaders and stuff out of this. But I ended up looking at all these electric hacks of ways to resolder and re rewire tools and um, just little bizarre things and these these things that I are saw like, kind of like endless generate like power generators and uh, the use of magnets. I'm like, holy fuck! Uh, this stuff is the science. The weird, it's you know, weird trash science. The, the Russians are really good at this shit because yes. they got fucking nothing yeah, over there. They, they, so what else like, are they doing? Like if we break if a if a uh, if a uh, what do you call it, a microwave oven breaks here, yeah. we throw it away. They, over there, they, they make a they, fucking welder out yes. of it. Yes. Like yeah. I watched a dude make a welder out of uh, a out of a microwave, a microwave. and I was like, <laughs> yeah. okay, what is it?" And and then I I just fell in this rabbit hole of all these handmade yes. tools, yeah, which is kind of like in my little Rube Goldberg world yes. of like making shit to do yep. shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's bizarre. Some of it's totally useless because we can easily go buy a shit tool for like thirty dollars at at a box store and throw it out, which well, I kind of hate, but I also it, sometimes I do that. What's funny is uh, Jeff, my 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 kind of right hand guy, he, he he has weird sleep hours and I do too. Yeah. So he'll send me a video. He sent me one the other day, and it was the guy had gotten a Dior uh, uh -huh. limited edition Christmas holiday gift bag. Uh -huh. So when you buy a Dior, yeah. it's the fucking paper bag that it, it goes in. Yeah. So that when you're walking through the mall in your high heels, everybody knows you bought a Dior. Ooh. It's got Dior. Well, this German guy. Um, he made a leather bag out of the paper. What? And I was, I'm telling you, I was fucking, I, I've watched the video a half a dozen times and I've sent it around to people. And uh, people were like, dude, you're kind of weird. I go watch the video and they go, okay, that was the coolest thing yeah. ever. The guy takes a paper bag and he turns it into a leather purse. And it's fucking cool. You, you gotta send me that too. All right. Yeah. All right. So I'll I'll show you what I, I'm like up to right shit. now, and you're gonna be like, "Oh my god, yeah. this guy's a lunatic." Okay. I, you know, uh, uh, you know, Amy and I are like, we're we're, we're split. Okay. We own the company. We're yeah. not. We're not a couple anymore. It's so hard for me to say out loud. Um, but uh, so I had like a girlfriend for about a year, uh -huh. and she was into handbags and stuff, uh -huh. and uh, I didn't understand anything about handbags yeah. until I dated this woman, uh -huh. and then I I started to learn. I'm like, oh. And then I was, I was like, how much is that purse? It's $3,500. I go, I'm like, and then I'm like, that's the same look that people have when I tell them the knife's uh -huh. 800 bucks. Yeah. It's like, okay, I, 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 yeah. let me see what's going on. Yeah. Then when I did the dive, I was like, 
holy shit yeah you know there's two houses in france that have been making bags for 200 yeah. years and you know it's louis vuitton and goyard mm -hmm. and as i start looking into them they're they're our kind of guys yeah they're these little french dudes yeah. with soft hands yeah working in these leather factories and they look like us yeah and i was like oh oh these are these yeah. are our people yeah yeah <laughs> 200 it's it's such an impressive world and that's why sometimes i get like, like the, the high-end wallets and shit that get made i just get stuck watching them because uh, we make our own, and they're, they're rough cheese. Like we're cranking them out because they go, they're included with our thing. So you get like right. a seven to nine ounce leather sheet. So it's a handmade add-on. Yeah. 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 Made out of our, our shop in Michigan from a pattern I developed. And so you um, can't skive it and hand stitch it. Yeah. Well, we do some skiving and we do, we don't hand stitch because it takes too long. Right. But I did buy a leather machine and we use that and it works great. Um, we get our shit from Tandy. Tandy's been real great yeah. with us. Um, there's one in Detroit that um, they just they keep us running, um, and thank God for that company and them. I love Tandy Leather too. Yeah, they were kind of, uh, you know, the they weren't real busy during COVID, you know, and they were actually closed. That shop was particularly closed down, and I walked in and I'm like, I'm gonna need a shitload of leather every month, and boom, great. Uh, can't say enough about David that runs that shop. If Tandy ever listens to this, um, but it's so hard to make to work with this stuff and not leave marks in it. You know, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like my hands are are usually pretty fucking dirty, yeah. And so it's like dirt everywhere. I've had to find ways. I'm like, okay, I make dirty pattern shit. I squish it into wood grain, right? And then I streak dye it to make it look like it's real wood. And then it doesn't matter how dirty my hands are, because oh, you're camouflaging. Yeah, I have to find ways to do that because I'm a fucking mess. Um, That's so, been one of the challenges in the purse making because purses have to be perfectly clean and they perfect. like a uniform surface. When you fold that stuff, you can't get a weird crease mark, and it's you so can't easy get dust off that. the table. The talent it yeah, takes to put those together to is them. way beyond. It's so far. And I was actually looking at your um, your assembly department, um, and I watched the guy sitting there, um, not even to the assembly, but after it comes out of machining, checking all the holes and the tolerances. And I looked at your tolerance sheet. And, I, and there's a number here on the left and a number here on the right, and there aren't any numbers between it on your spec sheet. It's crazy. You're, you're, you, you can't. It's crazy. You, you, you don't accept any margin <laughs> there. I tell people, and guys always call bullshit on me. I'm like, I'm just telling you, man, Deltronics pins and plus pins, that's, our number. Yeah. that's a very small amount of yeah. space. Yeah, I was impressed by that, but I felt like I saw it when I was watching them do that. I felt like uh, when I was watching one of those high-end wallet videos god damn how do they do that? well listen i'm i'm i have a hard time touching leather and not leaving a mark on it just you with can. my hands yeah so a divot impression it creates a wound you well, know you see i i i i don't know how else to say it but they've got faggoty milk toast hands yeah i see them yeah. working leather with these little yeah. like we need those people these, for that and i go yeah. okay i gotta grow hands like that so yeah. i can work fine leather because yeah. they have really yeah, they don't have. They're not manly looking hands. They're very jewelry nope. looking hands. You know, they're what I mean? very jewelry. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> but I'm watching like they barely have fingerprints. Yeah. I wonder if they sand them. Do I don't do know. They? Do I don't they work know. On that? And they they probably have a machine where they put their hands into a, like a humidifier, a moisturizer to make I them super soft. Do you, do they you, definitely can't also play guitar. Do you uh, do you uh, use mostly veg tan? Yeah. Uh, okay. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, most of that purse making is uh, it's oil. Um, yeah. Uh, chromium yeah. tan. Yeah. So that's got a little yeah. different. We use some chromium tan. I actually have an Amish guy in Pennsylvania that um, uh, makes the, the puts the letter leather together for me. Mm -hmm. He doesn't have any technology and still uses an outhouse. So when I go there, my kids are like, 
we have to we have to are we, we going to the place with the outhouse we gotta pee in a hole dad yeah what if i have to number two yeah just do it in the just, hole just, just aim better do it in the hole and put the toilet paper on top of it if you're embarrassed <laughs> just aim better yeah so but anyhow uh he's a great dude and um he does a really good job, but he he goes out and he sources a lot of that, and sometimes he's and I like that for these. Um, I'm adding a, a Kydex layer. That's one of those things that like uh, you ask for five Greg days. Um, I need five. I need that. So I got to get back because I need to. I got I got to finish some shit. I got so much shit to finish. Well, listen. Uh, let's wrap up the show. Thanks for coming in. I appreciate it. You know, our worlds don't cross that much. No. The uh, you know, like, and I know anybody who's works of forge goes oh they make production knives yeah if you went to a production knife making place like benchmade spider mm -hmm. co cold steel yeah. uh, it, it doesn't look the same no it's, it's a different I've, animal. I've been in some uh i've been in i've been in some factories i've been in some case places and some i've been in some real shitty places this is scaled up handmade not that case is shit i'm not gonna no say no that, no but... not at all i've been in their factory yeah. too no, they were very is, gracious this is beautiful um i i actually used to uh uh, I grew up in, in Meadville, in Meadville, Pennsylvania area. It's called Tool City, USA. Mm -hmm. So I've been in some really nice high-end shops, and I've been in some really rough rough shops, and yours is immaculate. Yours is, it's it's uh, well-maintained machines, well-laid-out space. Um, it's beautiful. You guys, you guys are fucking killing it. Well, it is a uh, bunch of work every day, yeah. and uh, it's fun. Uh, I, I love having somebody kind of come in from the other half of the knife yeah. universe, you know, the yeah. the the original half yeah. of knife making. And uh, I'm in the modern half yeah. of knife making, and it's great yeah. great to Dude, shake hands across the bridge. Yeah. I, you know what? At some point, every knife turns into stock removal. At the end, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's there's no way you're getting around grinding some sort of metal off it somewhere. It's just a percentage. Who gives a shit? You know, yeah. the people who argue about that, you're wasting time. Yeah, go make another one. Go make some shit. Stop yeah. talking about well, it. Well, listen, what a pleasure yeah. having you in. Thanks Thank very you. much. I appreciate it. Hey, sports fans. So that's, you see, we, uh, we're we willing to chat with anybody. And not only that, I love seeing people come in from other corners of the knife-making world. We're in our little corner, and guys come in from, uh, I don't know, I would say uh, – I almost feel like it's the less commercial corner. Mm -hmm. um, it's the less commercial corner to step in. And we speak a lot of similar language and have a, we've overcome a lot of the same problems, you know, in just a kind of different way. But uh, a lot of common ground. It's fun. And I appreciate you being in. I appreciate you guys stopping by to check out. I hope you enjoyed the episode. We were all over the place. But um, there's a lot going on with guys that are creative making stuff. And uh, hopefully you enjoyed it. Greg Medford from The Greg Medford Show. I'm out.